¿Qué onda, mi gente? This is Luis Martinez, your co-host of Mi Gente Show, and this episode is titled Hot Latino Summer. This is a long one, so you might want to pace yourself. In the first part of the episode, we talked to David Fernandez Jr. You might know him from, um, he plays the bodyguard in Selena. He was in Sons of Anarchy for an episode or two. He's been in uh, End of Watch. He's uh, Low Riders justified um he's he's been in a bunch of stuff he's a great character actor he also has an earn your life app he's also more of a motivational speaker these days and he works a lot with mental health uh disadvantaged youths um i reached out to him to do a uh, to be a judge on a kids film um festival thing and he did that for us with no problem um so he's a really cool guy uh, he's been on the pod before. He actually was one of the first uh, people that I did on Fireside Chats. So I wanted to bring him back on Mijente Show. So me and Sofia chat with him in the first half. Then we have a second guest, um, Edwin Frank Ortiz, filmmaker from San Diego, Mexican-Puerto Rican. He's got a new movie called Fuego that's in some festivals, New York Latino Film Festival, etc. And we came. He, he was supposed to come in later, but he dropped in. There's a little bit of a crossover in the middle. And then towards the end of the pod, we list, uh, stream... We talked with Edwin. Um, after the chat with Edwin, there is a little this mother going on as me and Sophia try to figure out which tabs and which news to react to. Um, I left it in there, but you can pretty much skip ahead um, a little bit after the Edwin Frank interview. If you're trying to get to know Nama's way at the end, we do have three questions of in our um, advice column. So yeah, David Fernandez, Edwin Fagertiz, some news reaction, some no Nama's ways in this episode. Thank you very much for everyone that's listening across all platforms. If you listen on Samsung or iTunes or Spotify, please give this episode a like, give us a follow and a rating. It helps us out a lot. And for all your mi gente needs, you can follow our parent company, Two Am Burrito, and you can see my work, you can see Sophia's acting work, and you can learn all about our company through TuaAmBurrito.com. It'll have all our links. Thank you, mi gente, for listening and enjoy the pod. Gozando y me gusta tomar, pero no quiero pendejo que no quiere respetar. Déjame pendejo papi ya no más. Déjame pendejo papi ya no más. Ho ho ho! What is up, mi gente? It is your boy Luis Martinez, aka Big Chief Burrito, live with you. On a hot ass Thursday, mm-hmm. Chula Vista, California, Mi Gente Show live and direct. Uh, our guest is having a little bit of issue getting on. What's up, Lizzie? Thank you for stopping by. Hey, business hey. Lizzie, world renowned Animal Crossing and Pokemon streamer, and uh, <laughs> and uh, top mod. Yeah. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, Edwin Franco uh, posted earlier Fuego. He's going to come back early, later. And uh, David Fernandez, our guest, is 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 having a little issue logging on, but he should be on here momentarily. Uh, when he gets here, we'll bring him on. But hey, everybody, thank you for stopping by. Uh, mi gente show. Sofia Carrillo, my co-host. Hola. Hola, mi gente. ¿Cómo está? I, is it still... Uh, correct to say like my beautiful co-host or is that just like not cool anymore to like do that when with women 
Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I don't mind being called beautiful by you, so <laughs> go for it. You are more that you have my consent. Okay. Yeah. You ha I have my consent. All right. There you go. Because yeah, exactly. I was just like, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, there'll be a, a woman guest and I'll, you know, then I'll be like, well, let me introduce them without pointing out their looks right their looks, yeah a little bit you know but you, it's a safe play but i still think that it's cool uh dizzy's about to pick up splatoon 3 so hanging out to that oh there you go okay. I, I i i saw a little bit of splatoon i want to get into it i kind of want to play it i have a switch Shut you have up. a switch you, you you switch switch world now well sort of i don't use it as much as i should but i have one i am an owner of one do you have the console or do you have the the, the, the handheld? Uh, well, the hand both the handheld turns into a console. The handheld turns into a, a console. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you got the things and then you put it. Oops, it's, that's it's, dog. it's a little bit of everything. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, little bit, little bit. Oh, honey, oh, honey. I will mute myself if she does that again. Sorry, folks. But anyway, how is your day, Lou? How are you doing? I'm all right, all right. I mean, um, as well as anyone can be on this uh, on this um, day that has been marred <laughs> by the death of a monarch. Ah, long, yes. long live the queen. The queen is dead. Long live the king. King Charles now. Queen Elizabeth II passed away peacefully today. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Black and Irish Twitter rejoiced. <laughs> they did. <laughs> the, oh, the, the symbol for uh, colonialism, mm -hmm. uh, empire rule, um, you know, the slave trade, mm -hmm. uh, so many horrible, horrible things. And uh, white people in England are just are going through it right now. They're, they really are. They, I, you wore, know, I wore black in honor. You wore yes. It was unintentional, but hey, I'm taking credit. We wore. I wore black and wore yes. black. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can say a lot of things about Queen Elizabeth II, but you can also say that she had a pedophile for a son, <laughs> and she married her cousin. Good. And over the last seventy years, you know, Britain occupied or colonialized or uh, kept uh, dozens of countries in. Africa and Asia and, uh, you know, they occupied Ireland, uh, bloody wars and occupations. And um, she was a symbol for a monarchy, which is kind of a thing mm -hmm. of the past. She's a symbol for capitalism, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she, and she's dead now. And she, yep. 96, I believe. Jeez. 70 year rule. She's gone. All right, I see David. Hey, David made it in. He's, ah. he's, he's in there. I see him. We're gonna we're gonna bring you on in in, in two seconds, David. We're fi we're finishing up the the Queen's eulogy. Yeah. Uh, so I did want to share this, and, and we're gonna bring David Fernandez Jr. on our guest uh, in a second. But I did want to share. Uh, okay, so you're familiar with the Falklands, the War of the Falklands between Argentina and Britain, a little bit. Yeah, but a little bit. All right. So the only ones more petty than like. Irish Twitter and uh, like Senegalese and like African Twitter were the Argentinians. Oh. 
fuerte aplauso para Satanás que se la llevó. Eh. No está más. La vieja se murió, los ingleses lo tapan, está muerta. Mira, Ay, no. Qué brazo tirado de la cama, la vieja de mierda. They went off. Oh, wow. They said, íbamos a brindar y vamos a brindar. Popping champagne. Tell me how you really feel. Damn. Yeah. So they literally, like, uh, and then uh, obviously the exchange was between Murió la Vieja de Mierda. Uh, and then the British and the Argentinians started going at each other. The Falklands, they were fought over these little piece of shit islands. Um And uh, basically, uh, one of the ones was like, oh, wait, 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 there was a there was a rough one where it was like, you're still not getting your 700 soldiers back. So it was like, oh, wow. yeah, it was bad. It was cold. Anyway, long live. Uh, the queen is dead. Long live the king, King Charles. Yeah. Uh, like I said. Uh, no, not long live. I mean, that's what you say. The queen is <laughs> yeah, dead. Long live the queen. You know, the king is dead. Long live the king. Um, yeah, I know. Anyway, that's what happened in the world. So if you have your favorite Queen Elizabeth memories, feel free to show them. But mm -hmm. the show moves on. Um, our first guest tonight has um, been in countless uh, films over the la over his career, uh, from um, End of Watch to Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he had his own film, A Father's Journey, which uh, which we saw as well. Uh, he's been featured at the San Diego Latino Film Festival, where I'm a part of. Um, He's also close friends with some of friends of mine that work with him on other films. And um, I've had him on the podcast on Fireside Chats when I first started, when I was still recording off stream. And so I wanted to bring him back on for the live experience one time. Yeah. Uh, so please welcome uh, Mr. David Fernandez Jr. to the show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me, brother. How you doing? <laughs> you made it. Made it. Finally. Technical you got, difficulties. You got, the, you, got the, you got the iPad going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or however you you look great, David. Good to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you as well. Give me your name again. Sophia. All right, Sophia. Awesome. Sophia. Nice to meet you. Um, so, David, um, catch us up, man. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, we've been uh, following you. You know, you're obviously San Diego local. You've made films here. You've been in L.A. Um, what's current with you? What is, what is the you – know, I saw that you were at the uh, Clerks 3 premiere. Yeah, I, yeah. You, you you were getting in a mix there with Kevin Smith and the and the peoples there. How yeah, did that, that go? That was a blast. That was that was a blast. And I hadn't been to a like a you know a big Hollywood premiere since the pandemic, so it it was kind of cool to be back. And uh, yeah, man, I, my 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 highlight was the film. The film was hilarious. Um, but Rosario Dawson, she's uh she's a beautiful soul, brother. Like I I just was happy to be able to meet her, connect really? with her, and uh, and many others, but. But that was my highlight. She was, she was just a, she's a beautiful heart, beautiful soul. Miss oh. Rosette, yeah, no. What did you talk about, if I may, if we may ask? <laughs> Honestly, I just connected with her. I just met with her. Um, I actually got a chance to tell her what I felt. Like I told her, you know what? Like you're an amazing uh, actor, but like you're an amazing human. Like you're, you're just a beautiful person, and everything that you've done, and what you're doing, and what you're passionate about. And she was just very, you know, she was very uh, sweet and kind. It was like, oh, thank you so much. I, I was able to, like, see her, you know what I'm saying, and kind of let her know what I felt. So I thought that was really cool. And then we're, you know, everyone was dancing, having a good time at the at the after party or whatnot. So it was fun. Yeah. Is that the is that is that the move though when you're when you're in those situations you can't be like you can't go for the picture right away. You can't be like you just hey listen hey you just kind of kind of. Smooth, right? You you know, brother, like, for me, man, I'm just kind of like, if it's organic, if it feels natural, if it works out cool, if it doesn't, it doesn't. 
um, you know, obviously in those type of situations, they already know that like they got to take the time and, and, you know, and do, do that old spiel. But um, I'm also not the type to like, I know they're getting hit up a lot. So I, I'm not that type either. You know what I mean? Like, cool. If the picture's taken, it's taken. And if not, like I got my memories, brother, like nobody can mm -hmm. take my memories. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's, that's kind of how I approach it. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I know Sophia. You gonna you have some questions. You 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 brushed up on on Mr. Fernandez's uh, filmography. I wanted to check in uh, before I let you go on those. And how's the um, how's our, uh, uh, earn your life coming along? How's are the projects associated with that? The app, the everything going. How how's that coming along? Thank you for asking, my brother. Everything is going wonderful. Um, it's a big a big venture. You know, I mean, it's it's a huge mountain, and so we've been climbing. And uh, just learning as we go. But we're building the premium app right now as we speak. It's going to be more interactive. There's going to be a lot more content. So um, throughout the years, I've been just producing content, acquiring content. And um, it's looking really good. I'm hoping by the end of this year, we can launch the, the premium app. Um, but it'll be like the upgraded app that's already online, but it's completely, um, you know, uh, revamped. If that's oh, very cool. Yeah. So it's gonna be cool. You've been doing more interviews and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's it's um, a lot of podcasts. My podcast is actually the one that kind of really hit for me. Like I got in my analytics, I got about fifty six countries like tuning in. I never oh, thought wow. in my wildest dreams a podcast would like hit like that for me. You know what I'm saying? But I've gotten a lot of love, a lot of feedback, and uh, I've really had some amazing interviews with my guests. You know. Uh, mm -hmm. We really dive in, you know, to, to mental health, emotional health, all kinds of, you know, um, beautiful things when it comes to this life journey or whatnot. And and uh, yeah, I just I just want to capture the heart and the essence of my of my um, I'm hearing myself talk. No, 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 that was me. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's all good. No, I was just going to say, like, I like capturing their essence, like who they are and uh, to share their story. So that way people, you know, people resonate with real. And so yeah. I get them to drop underneath the waterline, you know, get vulnerable, get open. And uh, that seems to be working, my brother. The heart, the love is the answer. The heart, the heart is is the way, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so yeah, so it's been, it's been awesome. So my podcast is what, what I've really been, it's been a real big surprise, especially during the pandemic. But um, yeah, it's all coming together, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm living the life of my dreams, man. And if I'm not, uh, you know, haven't reached those goals yet, I'm going for them. I, I want to accomplish all of it, you know, as far as my personal goals and dreams and whatnot. So that's what, that's what I, that's the journey I've been on just, uh, um, get, getting out of the way to be able to match that frequency to, to, uh, to, to, you know, accomplish whatever I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. Is that Do the you, earn your life podcast? Yeah. That's the earn your life podcast. Um, it's like I said, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Like I keep them short. Like I, 30, 30, 35 minutes max, mm -hmm. but we dive right on in from like the jump. We dive on oh, in. Yeah. So I really prep my, my guest and, and I'm very choosy on who I bring on, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, all of them have just dove right on in, felt comfortable, uh, been vulnerable, been real, been open and, uh, put their heart on the, on the table. And that's all I asked for. Yeah, Do you think that, uh, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Sophia. No, I just wanted to say, and it's like a wide range of topics that they talk about. It's like weight, mental health, like everything, you name it. I was just wondering, like, how how did that begin, I guess? How did you get into that? Through through my own experiences during the pandemic. So the last seven years, I've been 
uh, changing paradigms. I've been evolving and growing tremendously. And it's anytime that you go for a big dream or you visualize something uh, that you're trying to attain that's big, it's going to get you out of your comfort zone. It's going to force you to face yourself and look in the mirror and do the work that's that's needed to be able to like get out of your own way to accomplish, um, you know, those goals and dreams. So that's what it's been for me. And it, it got to a level where I dealt with anxiety and panic attacks. It was, I never dealt with my mind the way I dealt with it this last couple of years um, or during the, it's been, I think maybe like three years now, but it's, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to go inside and I had to go inside myself and yeah. uh, no more running. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it was the scariest thing I ever went through and the most beautiful thing I ever went through because I got to know myself that much more. And I feel that my journey has been um, an interesting one in the sense of this. I know that I, like, I love supporting people. I know I know how it feels to go through struggle and pain. And I have a lot of empathy uh, towards mm -hmm. people. And I just want to see people win. I want to see people, like, happy. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that everything that I've gone through is what supports me in supporting other people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the beauty of it. And at the end of the day, one, one thing that I think has been um, a blessing for me is I've always been a giver. Um, growing mm -hmm. up, like I didn't have, uh, there was a lot of like pain and strife and domestic violence and, you know, immigrant parents, it was a struggle. And so I always, you know, we project, we always do what we would want for ourselves. Right. So I always gave and mm -hmm. I always gave without like expecting anything back. And little did I know at an early age, that was like one of the biggest blessings and gifts, um, that I've realized in my life. Is that the, the and Tony Robbins says is the secret to to living is giving, and I truly mm. believe that the energy that you know of putting your heart out there, having that empathy and feeling someone else and wanting to love them up, on whatever level, um, it's like it comes back eleven fold, uh, oh, yeah. without you even like expecting it, realizing or whatever the case is. So I think that that's a big one for me. And at the end of the day, uh, the Earn Your Life podcast. It's. It, I want to be able to uh, to be on the front lines. I want to be the courageous one that um, looks in the mirror, that runs towards the fears. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to do that. And trust me, be careful what you ask for because <laughs> it's, been, it's been a wild ride. But, yeah. you know, sometimes we have to go through all that to be able to uh, level up and uh, and mm -hmm. change the, the, the old from the old paradigm to the new paradigm, which is the most difficult thing to do for a lot of people. Hence why there's a lot of people that in this world that we stay in that cycle and we stay in that in that reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. But I feel that I connect to Mother Earth a lot. I, I'm, you know, connect, I'm indigenous. I, I'm Pai Pai, extension of Kumiya mm -hmm. Nation. So I'm really connected to Mother Earth. And I feel Mother Earth gives us all the answers in essence, right? Mother Earth is always working in cooperation. It's abundant. It's, uh, it flows, right? Water flows. Yeah. Everything is is uh, it, it comes at the right time. You know, when you plant the seed, it's going to take time for the seed to, you know, to grow and to evolve into a beautiful whatever tree, flower, whatever it is. And so I think that um, all the answers are there. We just kind of have to uh, raise our level of awareness to be able to see 
And mm-hmm. uh, once we're able to see with our heart and uh, and that awareness, then uh, it's a beautiful journey because you realize that everything's happening for you and that it's all divine, uh, even all the ugly stuff, you know. Yeah. And 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 that ugly stuff is like the lotus flower, right? It's gotta it's gotta go through the mud. It's gotta go through through all that to burst out and become this beautiful flower. And so I think that uh, that's that's what earn your life is. It's just the journey, you know, and just uh, knowing that if you have a, a a sense of community, people that love you and support you and see you in, in, a, in an authentic way, then um, you can't go wrong with that. You know, yeah. you're in alignment. You're in a good place when it comes to that. So earn your life. We talk about all that. We talk about all the ugliness, all the beautiful stuff in the ugliness. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it really, if you don't go through that, then we don't level up. We got to level, you know, for us to level up, we got to go through, break through the old paradigm. You know what I'm saying? Like, break through all the stuff, you know? You got to go through the, you got to go through the river of shit and come out clean on the other side, right? Absolutely, my brother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, David, um, what do you think has helped you? Do you you think it's a natural transition from acting to, 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 to interviewing, to podcasting? Or did you have to kind of pull from different experience was it really natural to me, to you, or did you have to kind of, uh, or did you find yourself making any mistakes when you first started interviewing people? You know, what's crazy is that like, I come from this belief system that as long as your heart's in the right place and your intention is good, you can't do it wrong. Like you, you really can't do it wrong. So my, com- my, if you were to listen to some of my episodes, right? Like wherever it goes, it goes. You know what I'm saying? If I sneeze and the boogers come out, they come out. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I don't feel we could do it wrong. But to answer your question, like, I'm a people person. I love connecting with people. So it was natural because it's like, it was my world, my reality. And I'm bringing in the guests into my world and reality. And uh, they're, they're riding there with me. So it's a beautiful thing just to be able to be open and honest about whatever topic we talk about. So was it difficult? I think the most difficult thing was getting started because at first I didn't really, I was like podcast, like who's going to listen to me talk with somebody like what? Like, you know, I'm old school, bro. Right. So this is all new to me, all this whole technology stuff. So I was just like, oh man, I don't know. But then I got interviewed on this app that it's called anchor that I use. And mm-hmm. I saw how easy it was. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna give it a try. Cause so many people would hit me up. They're like, dude, do a podcast, do a podcast. And I, I would resist it. And then finally, I, you know, I finally uh, did it okay. and, I, and I loved it, you know. So yeah, now I'm like 30 plus episodes in. It's, it's wild. One of the things that, um, and then I'll let you ask some more questions, Sophia. Uh, one of the things that, that we, you and I have spoken to about that, that was really interesting was that even though there's a lot of positivity in, in your messages and in, in the conversations that you have, there's also the counter to that which is there's this you know um i don't want to say fake it till you make it but there's 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 this like no bad days or mm-hmm. you know like uh positive only Toxic or this positivity is, something like that yeah mm-hmm. but that it's that's really unsustainable to be healthy um and i know we spoke a little bit about that but can you just kind of go over a little bit what your approach is to to that you know being allowing yourself to feel to have a bad day to be miserable to to go through that and how necessary that is. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that like, that's the perception of people, but if they actually were to listen to the podcast or listen to the episodes, it's the complete opposite of what you're talking about. 
Um, it's there's that's what we talk about is all the crazy shit. Well, I mean, more not necessarily as it directs to your podcast, but in terms of like the general sort of consensus of like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, positivity only, and you know, oh, you know, know no bad days. You know what I mean? Not because I, I know because I've listened to I've I have the app and I've listened to some of your interviews and talk with people. No, but I'm just saying, like, how do you resp- how how do you kind of how do you feel about that sort of like like Sophia said, toxic positivity of like not a, no bad days, you know, only good you know only good vibes, blah blah, mm-hmm. you know something like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you, I got you. First of all, that's fake as fuck. But second of all, <laughs> second oh, yeah. of all, like it is deep because I've I've been asked that question a lot, and so that consensus is there, right? Because everything that I do post is positivity as far as awareness, right? Um, a lot of people, all depending on their level of awareness, they might just see it as like, oh, be positive, be positive, be positive. But fuck no, man. It's the complete opposite. It's facing all of our shit and, and being held accountable, right, and taking responsibility. In this world, it, we're not taught to take responsibility for, for our shit. But here's here's my answer to those questions that always come up during these interviews, right? They always say, how can you be so positive? And I'm like... Well, I choose to focus on the, the the beautiful in all of it. Why? Because I know the darkness, my brother. I know the darkness very well. So the light is what I choose to focus on because what we focus on will grow. So even in like the shit, there's beauty in it because it's forcing you to grow. It's there's always it's always showing up for us. But a lot of us, we numb it, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex uh food whatever it might be we we kind of numb and run away or not want to feel right because mm-hmm. feeling that doesn't feel good it's not easy to feel those emotions you know what i'm saying but that's also the secret the secret to being able to heal from mental health you know dealing with anxiety whatever whatever it is that's the secret is going through it S- surrendering and getting on your knees and just literally feeling any everything that you need to feel to be able to get that clarity wherever that clarity may lie. So it, it, there's a there's a, another mentor of mine. His name is Bob Proctor. He transitioned not too long ago. And he got this from somebody else. I, I don't remember his name right now, but I'll say this. He says, the cave that you're afraid to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And it's so true, man. It's so true. It's fear is an illusion, right? But it feels so real because we're in the three-dimensional experience. But we got to go dive into us, our being, inside of this body. This body is not us. It's just a vessel for now, right? So the mind is a part of that physical reality. So at the end of the day, that transition is happening right now on this planet. We're tra- we've already transitioned to 5D. That's why everything is showing up right now. That's why mental health is, like, rampant. I mean, I was literally mm-hmm. on the phone uh, last night at, like, 2 in the morning with one of my buddies because he's been in such fear vibration that now it's manifested in his body and he wakes up with shakes. He's been dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. And the beautiful thing about it is as we process, as we go through it and we dive in deep, he's discovering that it's all the subconscious fear that is coming up for him. And so now it's forced him to see all that stuff that he didn't want to see. And it's a beautiful thing because he's working through it and it's, it's like, damn, we don't need antidepressants. We need to go inside. But we're not taught that in this society. We're not taught to go inside. We're taught to go externally 
and try to get help externally. But that's mm -hmm. why my mom has been on antidepressants for I don't know how many years and she's still depressed. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. until she deals with, with herself, if that ever happens on her journey this time around, then it'll be beautiful. But if not, then yeah, she's, uh, she, you know, she, it just, it just numbs you out. So yeah. I, some people might need it. You know what I'm saying? Like, because once again, different levels of awareness, but I know that the answers are inside and that's coming through walking the walk and going through all of that, uh, that I, that I've been through the last two, three years. Mm -hmm. Something interesting that you said um, that I just want to follow up on is um, is going through the shit and allowing yourself to feel the feelings. I, you know, uh, I lost my father in June, who I was taking care of for a long time, and I sort of was playing this game um, where I was trying to outsmart grief. I was sort of <laughs> I, I thought, you know, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I have narcissistic tendencies. Uh, and so I sort of, I always feel that I'm smarter than the situation or smarter than, than the thing. And I can, I can, you know, I can, I can see things clearly and I think I can outsmart it. So I felt at the beginning that I was ahead of the process, that I wasn't feeling as sad or as bad as I should. And I wasn't really addressing the pain. I was, I was sort of just trying to get through the pain and mm -hmm. then I had to literally go back to like square one because I, I was trying to get through it. And then I found myself like not being able to function, not even being able to work. And, you know, it's been six weeks, Lou, you need to be over this. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, there was something in my brain that was, that was, that was healing or wasn't able to heal. And I literally had to go back to ground zero and sort of start the process over again and let myself feel the things that I felt. And then I started realizing why I was in so much pain because, for example, one of the reasons that I love film so much was because I would watch tons of movies with my dad and that's what made me want to make movies and things like that. So so I really, I've, I'm feeling what you're saying in terms of going through the process. Do you find that in life, sometimes we try to outsmart our feelings? Absolutely, out, my brother. Outsmart grief, mm -hmm. outsmart the process, try to, try to skip steps absolutely my brother absolutely so here, here's what i've learned right i can only share what i i've learned is that uh whenever ever and it starts ever since we're born right even before we come out of the womb but um anytime that we feel pain that something hurts us we we don't want to feel that again so we put up a wall to protect us and it's the ego the ego is the trickster the ego is the one that has us say we got control we got this, but it's an illusion. We have no control whatsoever. The mind, it's ego, it's the trickster, it's the rabbit hole, it's the illusion. The heart is who, are, who we are, it's our true essence, it's our spirit, it's who we are, the energy, the awareness, the collective awareness, right? So the consciousness, that's where the answers are. So even just what you said, you had to start at square one and just kind of go down to your heart. The, the heart has the answers. That's love. That's the ultimate vibration, um, uh, the ultimate vibration, period. So at the end of the day, yeah, of course, we become master manipulators on how not to feel because feeling is scary as fuck. So, yeah, of course, our mind will tell us, yeah, we got this. We no, no. But in reality, you can never you can never run from the mirror. You can never run from our true emotions and our true feelings and the pain and the trauma and all of that. 
um, until we open open that up and cleanse it with releasing, right? Because I mean, water water is life. I love water. Why? Because we need water to clean our biggest organ externally, right? Take showers, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we clean our insides through crying, through vulnerability, through openness, through releasing? Um, we're we're energy beings, right? We're energetic, and sometimes we get stuck energetically inside because we try to suppress it or we try to avoid it or we try to right. And um, at the end of the day, I'll tell you, man, that I've seen this work over and over again. Uh, this this work, meaning that I, I've been um, with organizations and nonprofits that create a safe space to really, really dive in to our heart space. And the minute it just takes one person, there could be 500 people there, 200, 100, whatever. It takes that one courageous person to drop down to their hearts and be vulnerable and open and share their true feelings. It's like a domino effect. And it, and I and I I've, I've been in, I've been so blessed because. I'm getting a little emotional right now because I really truly feel blessed with what I've experienced on my path because I've seen 120 people in a room and we're going through it, man. And let's say we're dealing with like racism or any ism in the community, uh, you know, in this, in this experience. And it took that one person to just drop down to their hearts and it was like a domino effect. And then all of a sudden, within like 30, 40 minutes, you see so many things happening and the dynamics happening in that moment where you see the, the, the empaths show up and they're hugging and loving and supporting that one person that's releasing and that's talking about whatever they were hurt when they were seven, eight years old, whatever the case is. And then you see other ones that aren't comfortable in that situation, and that's okay too. And then all of a sudden, little by little, boom, boom, boom. I felt that too. I experienced that too. I can relate to that too. I always thought I was alone, but now I realize that somebody else went through the same thing and not just one person, but it seems like the whole damn room. And that's, that's to me, the biggest thing that I can share right now, right? Is that mm -hmm. we're all connected on one level or another pain oh, yeah. is pain. It doesn't matter on what level. And when we realize as a collective community that we need each other, that we need that that support. We need to love each other. How many times you've been able to have a connection with somebody and you just kind of share your heart and then they share theirs and you feel so close, like closer than maybe even some family members in your life, right? That's the beauty of sharing your heart. That's the medicine that the, and the magic that happens when when you're able to, you know, share your true feelings inside. You realize that you're not alone. You realize that we're, we really are in this together. And we're not separate, although it might feel like we're separate. We're all one conscious. What was it? Uh, was it? We're all one conscious, experiencing experiencing itself, right? We're all it's it's you're all all connected. I'm not a very religious person, but I do believe that I do believe in in the fact that that there is like a massive subconscious, and that we are all connected, um, literally connected via yeah. via via threads yeah. that we don't see. Yeah, you know what's so deep, my brother? I, I'd love to say this. It's like, I agree. I'm not religious either. I just feel my heart. I, I, I Love is the answer for me. That would be my religion if I had to put mm -hmm. it on something, right? Yeah. But here's the thing is that, like, I think it's so beautiful what we're where we're going right now because especially even the internet, even, like, these platforms, like, they're raising awareness on one level or another. But here's the beauty of it is that, like, 
we're not taught like the old systems that have been in place they they, they don't serve us on a, on a human level meaning that like our kids like we're not teaching them financial literacy we live yeah. in a financial world we're not teaching them. i mean look what i'm talking about right now we got to take kids to a camp in the mountains remove them from their from their environment so we could just try to do some healing you know what i'm saying yeah. we're not taught to express our feelings the most important to connect interpersonal developments personal development all that emotional uh intelligence we're not taught any of that and we're drowning right now we've been drowning look at the suicide rate you know what i'm saying when when you feel that no when you feel alone and like nobody really sees the real you you're crying for help but you're like in a clear bubble and nobody can see you that's ultimate disconnection and when you feel like that trust me i can understand the levels to get to suicide because i've dealt I don't know how many kids and adults that have been suicidal. We've been able to do that work and, and bring them through. And they're still here on this planet right now as we speak, which is beautiful. And now a lot of them found their gifts and they're doing amazing work back into the community, into this planet. You know what I'm saying? So I think that like at the end of the day, all I'm trying to say is, is that things need to change and evolve. And I think it's happening slowly but surely. But um, we're definitely not teaching our kids and enriching our kids lives with the systems that are in place right now and we need to start developing more programs and more different type of education because um trust me i was falling asleep when i was in high school i'm not listening to no english math or science when i'm worried about how i'm going to get home or what i'm going to eat the next day you know what i'm saying and uh so yeah i feel that like the minute that we start you know bringing that awareness i think that a bigger shift will happen and uh, and that ha that shift needs to happen because we're drowning right now collectively man. Yeah. go ahead Sophia. Yeah. um well i i wanted to i guess i don't want to switch lanes too much because this is some this is some good shit you guys we're getting it we can't we i do have one i do have a question because i, I was very interested i mean you're clearly a very like emotionally self-aware uh, person, you are emotionally intelligent, you are empathetic. Um, and because we are talking about evolving, I was wondering like, and you are Latino, how has your journey been from like, did you grow up in a machista uh, environment and how did you undo? Was there some deprogramming that took place? Like, how did you get here is what I wanna know. Big time, <laughs> yeah. big time. So I'm gonna share a story and I'm gonna make it as short as possible, but I'm gonna hit the key points, all right? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, all the time in the world. Yeah, all, the time, Camp yeah. all right, cool, cool, cool. Camp Anytown, right? Where we we bring these kids up and we talk about all the isms. We were talking about the five levels of prejudice in that moment during that activity. And there was this one kid, his name was Philip Murphy. I still keep in touch with him till this day. And this is probably about 111 years ago, right? I was a kid, I was 19. And so I saw that he was going through some internal struggle. And I'm looking around. I was just like a support staff. My first time ever going to this camp. I'm like, dude, anybody looking at this? Because he's about to explode. I was able to recognize that, right? Because I was him and he was me. So then he snuck out of the community discussion. And I still looked around and everybody was so involved in the discussion that nobody saw him leave. But I knew something was up. So I went out there to look for him. I turned around, went around the, the cabin or whatever, and I saw him. And he had his fist and he was punching into the cabin on the wall. And he was yelling out. It was like he was in complete rage 
So I ran to him. I grabbed him from the waist, pulled him from the – mind you, I'm 19 as a support staff. He's 18 as senior, oh. senior at that high school. It was SCPA, right? And so I brought him, pulled him from the thing, but my vocabulary turned into one word. No, I'm lying. Three words. All I kept saying was, let it out, let it out, let it out. He was in this rage. He started punching his head, right? Finally, like after all that energy was released, we sat down on some rocks and he started crying. And that's where his healing journey began. He shared with me that he saw his friend get shot in the head and basically die in his lap in Skyline uh, when he was 14 years old. He was 18 when he went to camp. So for four years, he was he didn't know how to deal with that. So he was, what was he doing? Numbing himself with alcohol, drugs, womanizer, gangster, right? Living all that. He was self-destructing. Beautiful heart, beautiful soul. But during that stage in life, he was self-destructing. The counselors, directors came, whatever, whatever. They took him. They told me to go back in the discussion. I wasn't ready for that shit. It took every ounce of energy for me to hold him enough so he wouldn't really hurt himself that bad, right? In that in, in that moment. So I went up these stairs and I sat down. I grew up with a, a Mexican machista dad, right? From yeah. Tijuana, straight up. Ooh. I got whipped with belts, you know, oh. shit thrown at me. Like my, I had this thing where if my dad, he would hit me in the head and call me a stupid idiot. I remember having memories where I'm eating cereal in the morning. Out of nowhere, boom, he fucking hits me. I drop the spoon, the cereal, and I'm like caught off guard. I just, And then he tells me, don't cry, be a man. So I got trained not to feel. And if mm -hmm. I got hit in the head a certain way, I, oh my God. Growing up, I had this switch where I could I could have probably killed somebody, to be very honest with you, right? So anyways, now going back to when I went up the hill, in that moment, I was completely drained. And it was my time because I cried for the very first time in so many years. And when I was crying, I was crying for my mom. I was crying for my dad. I was crying for myself. I was crying for my sister. After I released, I swear I was like on a, like on a drug on some shroom trip or something. And I wasn't right. But I, all of a sudden, like I'm listening to the birds chirp. I'm feeling the wind. It was like some type of, I was like in euphoria. I don't know how to explain mm. it, but it was, it was a very peaceful, beautiful um, energy that I was feeling. And then I walked down. Finally, when I, you know, gathered myself up, I'm walking down. And I started asking myself, it's like, what, what's something that would make me happy? And what came up was my dad never told me he loved me. So I want to get love from my dad. That's the decision that I made walking down that hill. Walking down that hill, the executive director said, you know what, David? We like you a lot, man. We want you to be a director for these camps. So I was blessed to direct those camps for seven years, right? That was my real education. It was really awesome. It was called Camp Anytown. Here's my point to your question. That started my journey because going down the mountain, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to go give my dad a hug and tell him I love him. Mm -hmm. So I go I go to the house and I'm like, hey, dad, I just want to tell you something, man. It was I felt weird, right? It was, like I felt awkward. It just wasn't something that I did with my dad. And uh, and I, I just tell him, hey, dad, I just want to tell you I love you, dad. Like, I want to give you a hug. And I gave him a hug, and I, it's like I was hugging a stone brick wall. I tell him I love you over the phone, ah, hang up on me. It was very uncomfortable for him, okay? Yeah. It took years. I'm not joking. It took years, Sophia. Finally, one day, I'm at the house, and we're having a good conversation. And I had done it enough, I think, that, like, he wanted to, like, love me. He just didn't know how that he jumps at me. It was like a football tackle. Awkward as fuck. He jumps at me. Yeah. 
He kisses me on the cheek. And after he kisses me on the cheek, what do you think happened? Uh, I want to say he said I love you, but I feel like he might be like, uh, I uh, wish. Uh, yeah, but he, said, he walks away. <laughs> I wish, but this would happen. So he hugs me, kisses me on the cheek. And as he's moving away from me from that tackle, yeah. He says, I meek when he slaps the shit out of me. What? <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. So I, I was so happy. He fucking kissed me on the cheek that I didn't even feel the slap. But in that moment, yeah, I learned a beautiful lesson. I realized that nobody had loved my dad. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And the little that I know about my dad's life, it's fucking dark as fuck. Right? Mm -hmm. So it clicked for me in that moment. <clears throat> I'm like, wow. My dad doesn't know how to love. He doesn't know how to, you know, say I love you, whatever, right? So I kept going at it. I kept going at it. And at the beginning of those years, like, they were tough, right? Because I went into it like I'm not going to expect shit. But, you know, of course you want to get a hug back. But I wouldn't get it. But I didn't give up. I told myself, I'm going to give my dad's love. I don't give a shit what he does back. And that's what helped me keep going. Finally, that happened. That broke. That ice. Mm -hmm. Now, me and my dad. Hug and kiss anytime you want and on the streets. It doesn't matter. And here's the beauty of it. He still hasn't changed. Like, he still got, has his addictions. He's still surviving. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. I can give him love, and he gives me love in return. Mm -hmm. And so that was a, big, a that was a big part of me breaking the cycle. And one thing that I've always had, too, is I've had this, like, weird internal belief. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't give a fuck what anyone's going to say. Like, I don't give a shit. And I'm okay with rejection. And I'm okay with failing. And I'm okay with, like, fucking people telling me whatever the fuck's going to tell me, right? Yeah. As long as I know my heart is in a good place and my intention is good. And so that's what helped me, you know, be able to, to, to get that love from my dad that I always wanted. It wasn't easy. It was a long road, but well worth it. Because yeah. if I would have stayed in that pain and I would have stayed in victim right? I would have never gotten love from my dad on this beautiful planet that we're living on during this time period. No. I would have never gotten that from my dad. And uh, my dad's got a beautiful heart too. He just got a lot of walls to protect his heart because he was mm -hmm. hurt. He had to carry a lot of pain and trauma. And, and sometimes we're not even talking about our own personal trauma. We're talking about generational trauma. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Like I realized during this journey and I'm done talking, is that on this basically because I know I get I'm passionate about it, so I know I could talk a lot. Is um I realized through my journey that my purpose this time around in this planet now is to change my whole family's generational history. And once again, be careful what you ask for because ah, oh, damn, you know what I'm saying? You, you I've gotten tested on all levels, <clears throat> but I'm really proud to say that I'm doing it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and uh, yeah, I just want to be able to share that, you know. and. And uh, once again, like what made my dad give me a hug and a kiss on the cheek? Love. Yeah. Love. Love is the answer. It really is. Finally. Uh, so, huh? Mm. How do you keep your podcast to under 30 minutes? You're verbose. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not the one talking. I'm okay. interviewing, bro. Okay. I'm asking questions. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's easy. I just ask one question and I stay, the sh I stay quiet as best uh. as I can. Now we are we are live uh, talking live with uh, Mr. David Fernandez Jr. Uh, you can catch his podcast "Earn Your Life" uh, on Apple Podcasts, or I'm assuming other places. Or you can also yeah, download... it's all over the place. Spotify, all mm -hmm. that good stuff. Yeah, you can download the "Earn Your Life" app, and it's got uh, tips, meditations, got a whole bunch of stuff on there. 
tranquil images, sounds, uh, advice for different things, different topics. Um, I have it. I've used it in the past. Thank it you, is brother. it is awesome. So want to make sure if you guys can take a look at it. Um, if you are watching us live, we are live with me, Hent this show. I'll drop the social so you guys can follow us. And if you are watching live, make sure that you leave a like, leave a follow, uh, ask a question, leave a comment for David or ourselves, uh, and uh, we will make sure we uh, conversate. Um, I do want to add to kind of what you were saying uh, in terms of the generational trauma. I've had this. Um, we were talking about fathers. Obviously, I lost my dad, and I've been going through a lot of stuff like that. It's, it happened three months ago, but it, for some reason, it, it's, it seems like it just happened, and it happened like years ago. It's you know, and 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 I have been lucky throughout my life that I never had that big of a loss in terms of a direct family member. I know we spoke about uh, your losses and the things that sort of changed in your life uh, a, a while ago for you, um, and we can touch on that as well. But. Another thing, the other side of that is I was talking to my mom and, um, you know, our relationship with women, uh, our, our relationships are, are with women and men are based on our relationship with our mother and our father to some certain degree. And um, I had an issue of separation with my mother when I was a kid because of things that she was doing. And I was, you know, I was I wasn't able to go away with her. So that manifested itself in my life later on as me sort of being triggered when I would when I would be ignored by girlfriends or if they would communicate with me or like I know I had a girlfriend that ghosted me once and that hit me super hard and it was because I had abandonment issues um and then you know more and more recently with my mother she we started talking and and, and she's you know I, I we spend a lot of time together and we have a great relationship but she's like yeah in 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 a way Yes, you love me and I'm your mom and you and you forgive me for for the mistakes I made when I was a then, but you really have to make a conscious effort to realize that your that that your parents and your mothers are carrying this trauma that's generational from from their ancestors and their ancestors before them and that you have to literally forgive them and say you gave birth to me. I am alive and that is enough. And everything else, you know, we, we will deal with in some capacity. There's stuff that you deal with, stuff that you let go. Um, and so, and you know, I'm, I'm just a year younger than you. So so it's like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to think that in your 40s, you're still having these conversations with your parents and still learning and evolving from shit that, that you might, that, you know, you, my mom was very young. My mom was 17 when I was born. Um, you know, she made tons of mistakes, um, but and but I it, but I consciously never felt like, oh, I'm mad at my mom. I always like a mama's boy. I'm a biggest fucking mama's boy there is. But even in those situations, there is still this this trauma that gets passed on, passed on, passed on. And it hits you and you have to at some point acknowledge it, let it go and sort of try to heal. Uh Oh, did David have a power outage? No, somebody was calling me. <laughs> so, um, so, so, um, can you sort of speak on that a little bit, or how do you feel? Uh, how do you how, how do you address something like that? Yeah, you know, it's so deep for me. I think I was like 29 when I went through this experience. For my my me growing up with my mom, like I always um, 
she was never emotionally available either. And she she still to this day carries a lot of pain, um, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And I always like felt bad if I were to look back growing up, like I felt like bad for my mom. So I loved her so much. Um, and it was deep because I was going through this like deep session work and this session work, like there's nowhere to hide. Like you, you get, it's like a, like a community circle and we, they focus on one person and we do different types of, um, um, exercises that really, really have you go to the deepest, darkest places. And, um, it's hard to explain, um, if you haven't experienced it, but the best way that I could experience that I can share this experience with you right now is I was working with one of my, my brothers, Keikoa, and he, I was holding a towel. He was holding a towel and we started doing mom work. And so as I'm pulling the towel, the, the symbology, be, symbolically what was happening is that we were reliving um, the experience of, of me when I was eight years old, we lived in like this, one bedroom uh, house and my mom was in depression for three days. She didn't get out of bed for three days. As a matter of fact, like on the second or third day, uh, and it was like, like the curtains were down for like growing up. Like I didn't like the curtains down. Like I always needed sunlight in my house. You know what I mean? Like, um, and uh, because of that. And so she was in deep depression. Like she was finishing a bottle of like bear uh, within a week a bear aspirin. Like she was just in a really, really uh, dark place. And I wanted to like somehow as a kid, take her out of there, like rescue her. Right. I even had like the worst nightmare I ever had where she, she, she showed up right on the edge of my bed and she was waving goodbye to me. And she was like in the only dress that she had that I thought she was so beautiful. Like she was literally waving goodbye to me. And I reached out and I was it's like, I think subconsciously I was scared to lose my mom. That was the worry. Right. And so we're, we're, going through that experience where I'm trying to rescue my mom from, um, from that room. So sometimes you have to go to that scariest place, that scariest memory to be able to heal. And so as I'm doing that at the beginning, it's like, I love my mom. I don't feel anything bad about my mom. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel bad because of their life. I wish that I could change your life. Lottie, Lottie, Lottie. But then all of a sudden, as I'm going through that process, anger starts showing up. And I was able to release the, the true anger that I had with my mom. And it connected to the women that I attracted in my life. I always attracted wounded women, women that needed rescuing. So I was like, I was, it was manifesting in that way. And so I realized that I was angry at my mom because like, you got to understand, like, you, as a young kid, you could only come up with whatever you can come up, up up with in that time period, right? But I was angry at my mom because why did she let my dad, why was she so weak? Why did she let my dad hit her? Like, why did she fucking, you know, why was she letting this man fuck her up? Why? Why, why couldn't you fucking pull yourself out of that room, right? Like, that's all the energy that was coming out during that experience. And I was, I finally got clarity in that moment. And I was able to do major healing during that time because uh, if I wouldn't have had those people love me up the way they did, and that's my my family, my mentors, Be The Change Movement, they're all over the world. They do beautiful work. They're healers. Anyways, um, so if I didn't have them to, to 
bring me to that level of awareness and do that internal work that needed to be done, I probably would still be attracting wounded women because I was proving myself right that women were weak when it's the complete opposite. They're fucking queens. But in because of how I grew up, the trauma and everything, I remember, I thought like I just felt bad for my mom. Like I had no anger towards her. But then I'm doing that fucking exercise. I'm doing that that's fucking deep psychiatry, right? I'm, a, I'm, looking, I'm getting down. And I realized, I got to that realization where I was like, oh my God, I really was angry at my mom this whole time as a child because why wasn't she there for me? Why didn't she take care of me? You know what I'm saying? Like all of that stuff. So that's the beauty of this work is, uh, you know, when you're able to dive in, like you you discover and uncover so much and uh, you get to to know yourself and why you show up the way you do and so on and so forth. You know what I'm saying? So I hope mm -hmm. I explained it pretty well. It's hard to explain oh, yeah. that, yeah. that, that, that these exercises, man, <laughs> There's, bro, there... I remember having one, I, I'll share this cause it's so deep. I had this, this older lady, I was doing the session work for her and she had been molested um, by her own uh, cousin, hmm. her own family member. And uh, it got deep, man. But like, oh my God, I've I've done a lot of uh, sweat lodges, temescales, where uh, women mm -hmm. are doing their healing too, man. That shit had me laid out on the ground. I couldn't even fucking take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, women are queens, man. Mother Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I I call people kings and queens now. Like, I got into that mode because I want to fucking I want to bring everybody up. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are kings and queens. We are the co-creators of our own reality. Let's rise up, come together, and make this world the best world that we can make you know what i mean and that's kind of where where i'm at now but damn i had to do that work to be able to even wake up to that part you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah how, how hard is it for somebody that that um for example so you so you have this 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 sort of savior complex right that you want to save you want to save your mom so you find yourself and 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 I know this uh, I think from my brother and other people in my life myself probably that you 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 are attracted to or they are attracted to you because you have because of that dynamic. Mm -hmm. How hard is it for you to for example realize or for somebody to realize that they are in a relationship that's founded on that. So you're attracted to somebody that 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 that, that maybe She's got two kids. Maybe she had an abusive ex-boyfriend, and 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 you're and you're you're sort of you know you're sort of in that. But you're there. You're in the you're in the relationship now. You start doing some work, and you realize the reason me and you are together is because of this. Is that where is that is that something where you can change the dynamic of the relationship and make it flourish, or do you have to do like um like a conscious uncoupling? And sort of find somebody that's more, 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 more fit to you. How, how does that work happen, David? Yeah, I, I feel that obviously every situation is different, right? Because it, there's so many variables that come into play with that. That's a layered question, right? But for me, like what I would, what I would say is, is that just to even get to that place of questioning, right? Just to even get to that awareness of like, hey, I'm going to reflect on why or ask those questions. Why is this showing up for me? that's such a blessing to be in that space of awareness to even ask those type of questions. So even this, this, that question that you just asked or this conversation, it's a, it's a very enlightened or aware conversation because when you're in it, it's hard to really see it, you know, until you kind of snap out of that circle and you look in, then you might be able to see a little bit better. But for me, if you were in that space and you did talk to your, your partner, 
it would all depend on if your partner's open to even reflecting and taking responsibility mm -hmm. in her part in that as well. Because there's a reason why you match frequencies. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like, it's all divine, right? If we are willing to do the work or look at ourselves or look in the mirror, because it's all mirror work. Like, she's reflecting back to where you're really feeling. And here's a good example that I, that I love to share. A woman, let's say she got hurt by a, by a man or someone her age at like 14 years old, 12, 13, 14 years old, doesn't matter what age. And that woman never did um, work. She never healed from that trauma. And once again, we're not taught this shit. No one's talking about this shit, right? So how are we supposed to even know? But you find that same girl that got hurt at 14 years old at age 35, and you get that woman in a room with 100 men, and 99 men out of the 100 are good, solid dudes. They're, they're emotionally available. They got, they're, they're solid on different aspects of their life, careers, whatever, whatever. They're really, really good dudes. What, what you would want as a partner, right? Mm -hmm. And then you got one guy that's a fucking player and a dick. Who do you think that woman walks out with out of that out of that <laughs> those hundred men? Sophia. The di the dick. <laughs> the dick. Yeah. You know why? Why? Tell me. Because you're proving yourself right about your internal mm -hmm. program. You are you are right about what you believe. When you got hurt at 14 years old, you made there there's a decision that was made. Guys are mm -hmm. dicks. Guys hurt me. They're not safe. Mm-hmm. And it's so the psychology's fucking twisted, right? Because if you were to ask any woman, you're gonna they're gonna say, I want a guy that makes me feel safe, that you know, values me, that's right. But that's is not conscious work, it's subconscious work. And that's mm -hmm. everything that I've been talking about today. It's all subconscious. Now it's in the word, it's subconscious, it's you're it's not it's not you're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the programs that run us. It's like, have you ever like been driving your car and you get out of your exit for like 20 minutes and you're like, how the fuck did I even get here? And you're, you mm -hmm. got out of the right exit and everything. Like, have you ever done that? Yeah. That's the real pilot. That's the subconscious mm -hmm. paradigm. Yeah. Whenever your thoughts are going anywhere else and you're not focused, your subconscious kicks in to take care of you. And it's the programming that to take you to your destination. So going back to the, that uh, example that I gave, the woman is proving herself right about guys are dicks. I can't trust them, whatever. That's why she matches frequencies with that one player in a dick out of those hundred guys. Mm -hmm. And so the cycle will continue until that healing work is done. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question, my brother, but it would take two to tango. In other words, if you're on this journey all of a sudden where you're like, damn, like, oh my God, I realized like I attracted her because of this reason and because of the complex or whatever. And then you tell her that, Oh, it would be a blessing if she's like, oh, my God, really? Like, damn, I, I might not understand that this is new information, but let's work through it, right? Usually it's like, oh, please, like, I don't even get what you're saying. Like, what, what are you trying to play me for? And you go to victim, right? But that's the yeah. big one is victim mindset and responsibility mindset. Most of us, because once again, we're not taught. We go to victim. Everything has happened mm -hmm. to me. When we realize that we create all of it, we're the ones that have created all of it. We create and we attract and match frequencies with whoever we attract and match frequencies with. They will mirror back to you the shit that you don't like. And that shit that you don't like is the work that needs to be done. Wherever the resistance is, that's where the work needs to be done. So that's 
that's the craziness of all of it, right? But once again, the way I see it is like we're on our different journey and we're in different stages of our journey or whatever. I just love to talk about it because I want to bring awareness. I want people to even start thinking like, oh man, like what? What do you mean I create my own reality? What do you mean this, this happened because of me? Oh my God. It, it's the mm-hmm. truth. <laughs> All of it. And some of it, we of course, we don't even want to like, like take responsibility for, but all of it, it's all a reflection. It's all mirror work. You know what I'm saying? So it's deep. Oh yeah. Those are yeah. deep co- codependent relationships and you, and you have to be honest with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. All right. We're live here with Mr. David Fernandez Jr. You might know him from, oh my God, let's go down the list. Oh. Uh, Low Riders, uh, Sons of Anarchy, End of Watch, uh, Justified, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or a couple of other shows. Selena um, on Netflix. Selena. Selena. Come on. Well, <laughs> as we as we call it, vegan Selena. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's god! Funny. Funny, did you did that's you ever funny. try to like hand her a donut? He's like, here, girl, come here. That's oh hilarious. God. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, any difference in playing a real life character or somebody that's just on paper for you in terms of process? Absolutely, my brother. Absolutely. I've done it twice. Uh, one of them was a clear shot. It was based on the 1991 hostage crisis in uh, Sacramento. It's actually mm-hmm. the biggest hostage crisis till this date. And uh, I actually, during the premiere, we went up there. We had the premiere because it was special up in Sacramento. And uh, I, I, the person that I portrayed uh, got killed in the, in the, in the, in the incident, in, in the hostage mm-hmm. crisis. And so I got a chance. I was uh, signing um, posters or whatever before the movie. And I got a chance to meet his sister and her cousins or whatever. Um, And, like, she was very soft-spoken. But um, she asked me, do you play so-and-so in the movie? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I didn't know who she was. And she was like, oh, I'm his sister. And I was like, oh, shit, like, reality fucking hit me in that moment. Heavy. Um, It was deep, brother. It was deep. And then, uh, you know, so just showed her love, whatever. And then... After the movie, I, when I was watching the movie, because I had watched this was the first time for me watching it as well. I was I was feeling and thinking like, "Fuck, man! Like, what? How is it for her right now, seeing her brother and having this live, like, live, see her brother get killed in the movie?" And so afterwards, I'm looking for her. You know, we did the Q and A, but afterward, I'm looking for her, and uh, she found me from behind. She tapped me over the shoulder. I turned around. She gave me a big old hug, crying. And she's like, you were just like my brother in the movie. Wow. I'm crying with her right there in that moment, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. there was healing there. There was healing, like major healing, my brother. I still keep in touch with her. She follows me on Facebook. I, that'd be awesome if she Aww. was watching this right now. Um, <laughs> and so that was uh, such a gift. And I hold it to like the most, um, it, like it's so sacred for me, my brother. You know what I'm saying? And the other one was Selena. And I actually got a chance to talk to David Kramer. Four and a half hours, brother, talking to him. Wow. The first time he got on the phone, he's such a giving man, sweet soul. And he was a friend of the family. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this. If the if the new episodes come out, maybe everyone will know. But when she transitioned, Selena, he took over the boutique. He was literally the driver, personal bodyguard, and friend of the family um, with Abraham, mm-hmm. her father. And um, he shared 
intimate stories about Selena that no one would know other than him and whoever else was there in those stories that he shared with me. And I feel I felt so special because I felt like I got a chance to really get to know the real Selena um, through David, David Kramer's eyes. He cried during the phone, my brother. He was just, it reminded him, you know what I'm saying? And he also felt honored that he was going to be uh, a part of the Selena uh, story. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it was a beautiful experience. But to answer your question, it's the most sacred thing that I can do as an actor. And it's been the most gratifying, the most beautiful. Like, if I don't ever act again, my life was made already through those two experiences. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I hope that I get a chance to portray more. But there's a big difference because the other process with the other characters I'm I'm bringing that character to life, with the uh, with the ones that uh, were real, the, the there was two different sides of the spectrum because one was, had passed away, but I still did my research to honor him. And then, matter of fact, you know what's so crazy? When he passed away, I think he was uh, like early twenties, maybe or even twenty or nineteen. My high school picture looks exactly like him. Mm. I don't. I didn't look like him now, like Whoa. when I portrayed him. But my high school picture looked exactly like him, dude. I, I'll have to send you the pictures side yeah, to side. You're gonna what be high like, school what did you fuck, go bro? to? By the way. It's so it's so, it's such a trip how that shit works out. I don't know how to explain right. it or what, but um, but it was it was very very special, man. Oh, We're live talking with David Fernandez Jr. here on Mihente Show. Make sure that you guys are tuning in. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Uh, it helps us out and leave a rating if you're listening to this on the audio version anywhere you get your podcast. Also, check out the Earn Your Life podcast, as we've been talking about for Mr. Fernandez. Uh, you can download the app or just check out the Earn Your Life podcast. And of course, we could talk a million years about uh, all the movies, the IMDb credits, uh, yeah. the upcoming stuff that he's probably not allowed to talk about that's still filming, that he's got the Ooh. NDAs for. Um, Let's get him in trouble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we do You're have a little a, rebel. You're a little rebel. I am. I am. I can tell. Trust me. I can tell. Um, I, have a, I have a. I have a. I have one more acting question for you, and then I, I know that uh, you, we have you for a short time, and then we'll let you go because we have another guest that that's that was scheduled for the ten o'clock hour, but he's here now, so I am going to bring him on the show. Um, and then the other thing I was going to tell you is that, uh, that I was going to tell Sophia is like, we should have David on for Nonamis way. So he could, yes. he, could he could be the, we have a, an anonymous advice portal where people submit questions, uh, like uh, advice. And I was like, you, David, would be, David would be great one. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do one right before we let you go, David. Uh, <laughs> right, but cool. I want to bring, I want to bring our next guest on. Just say hi to him for a second. We have a couple more questions for David. We'll let him go. And then we'll keep talking with Edwin. Uh, so I want to bring on here another Another, it's a it's a San Diego evening. Another local talent Ooh. that's that's starting the festival run with his new movie Fuego. I'm gonna play the trailer and I'm gonna bring him on here in two seconds. All right? Yeah. I too tried to call You did. Sorry to bother you. We're actually one person short. Can you jump in? Yeah. Okay. What's the name of you? Oh, she's just too much better. She's really, she's never done. No. Hello. 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 Hello
Fuego, actor, yeah. writer, director, Mr. Edwin Franco Ortiz. What's up, brother? Hey, dímelo, mi gente, ¿qué pasó? What's going on? <laughs> What's going on, David? I, I, up, I like bro? walked in. I like rushed from work to get over here. I was like, oh man, all right. Hopefully, I wasn't interrupting. It sounded like you guys were having a deep conversation. I was like, oh shit, like I didn't know what. Were I was you gonna? Were there. you just gonna wait till ten backstage, or were you like? I was like, man, I was like, I don't know if they want to stay up till past 10. I was like, let me try to get on ASAP for you guys, you know, because I appreciate you guys staying up for me. So, <laughs> but uh, nice to meet you, David. I was uh, checking out your work right now, too. I was like, oh. Thank you, my brother. Nice to meet you as well. I loved your trailer, brother. I want to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Hi, Sophia. I don't think Hello, we met yet. Hello, welcome. No, I don't think so. It's good meeting uh, you. Nice meeting you, too. Lovely. And All of tonight. Karina, hey, Karina. we just saw your cousin on screen for a second, right? That's Karina's cousin, one of the dancers, I believe. Karina's in the film as well, and her cousin. Karina's, oh, in, yeah, the yeah, Karina, yeah, Karina's in the film too. Karina's oh, in the wow. film. I try to put, so it's a short film. It's a proof of concept for the feature I'm developing right now. Um, and uh, uh, it's going through its film festival run right now. And, and, and I New York really, Latino Film Festival, right? Yeah, New York. It's playing. It's uh, gonna be playing at the New York Latino Film Festival next uh, Friday night. So I'm super yeah. excited. Uh, fly out Monday, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I this film was just kind of created just to start uh, advertising myself out there. You know, as a writer, director, actor, and uh, it just kind of now became my San Diego film that I need to make. Like I was gonna make a this also film I was gonna do in New York City. That was my goal and plan. But uh, when I created it here and all the uh, all the, um, the the community that rallied behind it, it just doesn't make sense to like take this to New York City and, and build a whole new network when I have so uh, much community support here in San Diego. I was like, I need to do it here. Mm -hmm. um, so right now it's just developing the feature uh, screenplay and then boom, getting ready to hopefully, well, the goal is to film it in 2023. So, so how long so, is the proof of, is the proof of concept? The the short film is twenty two minutes. Oh, oh look at you! So he's got know, he's got right? it in I'm the about, background. He's, he's posted yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about so the marketing too. Can we see a screener yeah. by any chance? Maybe a little link or not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I'd love to see it, brother. Yeah. Shoot, yeah. shoot that! Shoot that! I asked! I asked! I asked! I was like! I was like! Hey, can I get a link? He's like, you can get the trailer. Like, oh, <laughs> but David asked and he's like, Yeah, you got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Literally, oh, I was right like, away, right I was away. like, I was like, yeah, Edward, anytime we anytime we can take the film out, he's like, You get the trailer, dog. You Wait, will go to a uh, you, you will I go to a festival. Marketing Edward, materials. I got a question for you, brother. Hey, I got a question. How come I didn't, how come my agent didn't tell me about this project, bro? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh man. You didn't know David could dance too. He's bro, got moves. Dance? Dance, bro. I've been getting yeah. down. I got moves. Oh my god. Man, I might have to the bus. I, I'm trying, <laughs> man. Well, when the feature film comes, we'll talk. I gotta I'm, right. I'm trying to develop as many. I'm trying to really make this a San Diego film to the fullest. Like I want oh, I, I really, really want. Uh, the net that I'm casting is not only like will the Latino community rally behind me. I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican, so I have like both, and especially uh, the films based on my father, my late father's passion for salsa. So mm. it's it's a uh, it's it's kind of that connection there as well, especially within the Puerto Rican community. And of course, I'm half Mexican. Of course, this is like me showing San Diego and bringing in San Diego talent. So I'm really trying not just not to. Uh, I feel like Jon Snow, right? Trying to unite all the kingdoms. I'm trying to unite like the whole dance community and, and the filmmaking and the filmmaking community. That's like my next goal too is like to reach out to all the filmmakers here in San Diego that I really want to bring on. So that way 
everybody that I really want as many San Diegans to contribute to the film as well, much as possible. You need to get like, David as the gorditas well, in the background getting down. We, we need our cameo. I, I get that. I get that uh, comedic presence from you. I get that comedic <laughs> presence from you. So I, I probably have that? to make. <laughs> What's that supposed to be? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I want to know oh, is why. Uh, he has that comedic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. I want to know is why. Why I didn't see David in uh, this fool on Hulu? I was like, I, I was, I was waiting to see you in the, in one of those scenes. I, I auditioned for it. Now callbacks <laughs> and all that good stuff, but I didn't get it. Oh, okay. What? We're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna. Ha- we're gonna. I will, yeah, you know, it it happens. Uh, and that leads me to another question I want I want to get I want to finish up with David before we jump into Edwin real quick, but um but I we are going to have Chris Estrada actually on on the show in a, in a couple of weeks. He agreed to come on, so we'll be talking more about that. Oh, hey, hey man, hopefully they get a season 2 because that show is actually came out really hilarious. Yeah. Um be- before we transition here to more local stuff uh in in Edwin's project, David, I wanted to ask you um I wanted to ask you because the show's me hint this show. We talk a lot about Latinidad. We talk about what it means to be Latino and kind of the the, the different things. Oh, Karina says you could have seen a preview at his screenwriting workshop. But when I got to meet John Leguizamo, I asked him this and I was like, you know, how were you able to step aside or turn down a lot of like the mobster, the drug dealer roles? stuff like that to sort of make sure you had a varied career. When me and you have spoken, you've always said that um, you try to find something in those roles that you can accentuate, even if it is more of a stereotypical role that, mm-hmm. that as you move forward in your career, is that still your thought process? Or do you think over the last couple of years with more of an emphasis on better representation and not seeing Latinos as a monolith that has your thought process on, on those types of parts changed at all and has has your process of what you're looking and accepting or going out for changed yeah it has yeah that's why i've worked less to be very honest with you right now but i think that i'm in a, a position now where i can uh choose before choose. i wasn't in a position uh i just had to be able to even become credible right and bring a uh um get get enough uh pay them my dues and get enough credits under my name but at, at this point in my life i want to tell my own stories that's really <clears> where i'm at I still have my manager, you know, publicist, agent, all that stuff working for me. But me, myself, I'm going to start getting ready to direct and produce my next film. And uh, I'm excited about that. this one. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really kind of like a um, – remember Freedom Riders? Yes. The movie oh, Freedom yeah. Riders? But oh, yeah. remember how I talked about Camp Anytown? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that. I'm, oh, I want to really highlight Camp Anytown but be able to touch on all these topics – and the diversity that comes with it um, through those lenses of those kids. So that's like the new uh, movie that I'm that I'm starting to to uh, to move on. Because don't get me wrong, man. When you when you start, set off as a director, you guys already know this. It takes five to seven years of your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I knew that when I made that next step again, it was gonna have to be someone something that's really close to my heart that I really want to tell that story and passionate about the story. And that's that's what um, is going to be coming next. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I feel like I have a face that I can still play a, a high schooler. So you're looking into casting, you know. I feel like I have a face that I can still play. What is that noise? 
Sorry, I was about to share the link right now too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, no, sorry. No, that's cool. No, David. No, I, I, I understand. Yeah, because I, I, I think the the last time that we talked probably was like almost at the beginning of the pandemic. When so I kind of wanted to see how your what your thought process had had evolved on that. Um, and then, um, what is uh, obviously I think. Almost like I think that your thought process almost transcends, like just basically it's it's because I think obviously one of the questions we like to ask our guests is what does Latinidad mean to you? But I think you're almost in a position where we're from your motions. It's almost like you're you're trying to transcend that into just human, mm -hmm. you know, but at some level it does it does have to sort of it does have to play into it right like uh what role does kind of like the latino experience play as part of that human experience for you oh absolutely and I, i'm 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 latino brother you know what i'm saying so just me being who i am is representing you know what i'm saying like yeah. uh, as far as the touching on the culture and all that that will be in the story but i'm not how do i explain it I want to be able to tell authentic stories from my lenses and that is who I am. So I don't have to do anything. I just have to show up. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's going to show up in the writing is going to show up in the performance is going to show up in the story being told. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not really, I'm not really big on like, Oh, we have to tell all Latino stories. No, man. No. Like it's all built in the stories and the characters. You know what I'm saying? So, I want to be able to tell our story through our characters in a very authentic way. You know what I mean? And so, so, um, so yeah, I think it's beautiful. Even, I don't know if you ever saw La Mision. Did you ever see La Mision? Oh, it doesn't ring a bell. No, right Benjamin Press. See that? That's another, have you seen better, a better life? Yes. Okay, cool. So you can understand. Uh, La Mision was a uh, traditional, you know, Pachuco or whatever, right? But, he, you know, if you see that movie, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the culture and the upbringing. And the, there was a lot of beautiful pride in it, right? And I thought it was powerful. I thought it was amazing. Benjamin uh, Pratt uh, is, was a director, producer, and his brother Peter as well. Um, I thought it was a powerful story. You know who else was in it too? Is um, the brother um, from Blood In, Blood Out. One of the mm -hmm. brothers. Uh, uh, Miglo? Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Not not Miklo, not uh, Benjamin Pratt, but the the, the third one, Crucito. Mm. Yeah, Crucito. Him. I feel he's an amazing freaking actor. Like I, I just think he's an amazing actor, and he's taking a stand on not portraying us in a negative light. I actually just saw a video uh, interview on him, and I thought it was so beautiful. He he, he Jesse Borrego. Jesse Borrego. Yeah, and he broke it down, my brother. So I love that. And he himself. Obviously, he's not working a lot of mainstream Hollywood either because um, of all the, the turndowns of the character that they asked him to play. So we're all taking our own stand in our own way. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot more awareness happening, bro. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot more. Yeah. There's a lot more stories being told. Even on the Disney animation, uh, you know, we yeah. had Coco. We had, we have a lot of uh, – it's, yeah. uh, it's happening. It's happening. So it's all part of the process. You know, Kenneth Castillo, Jesse Borrego, fool. Yeah, Kenneth, thanks. <laughs> we, we figured it out. Oh, is that Kenneth? That's yeah, that's oh, Kenneth. Kenneth. Yeah. I love it. Kenneth, we're gonna go golfing, baby. <laughs> He's the director, man. He's directed yeah, yeah. like three movies or three or four movies. 
And yeah, we, it's amazing, man. Like this brother is a director. Like yeah, we inside out. Like he, man, when you work for him, like you don't have to worry about nothing because you're just like, okay, I get to show up and just play. You know what I'm saying? I get to express and play and do my and bring my character to life. And he just knows he, he's badass. Not only because he's my friend, but he's a badass. You know what I'm saying? Tell me, so can't kiss it. Off. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, 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 that's yeah. That's besides yeah. the point. We'll talk about it another day. No, uh, I've had actually. I, I had I had um, I had Kenneth on uh, on Fireside Chats a couple of uh, several oh, months awesome, back. Yeah, man. yeah. We had a, we had a great interview. We had we we talked. We've worked with some of the same actors. We know you, Jose Yenke, other other actors and stuff that we work. So we with. gotta get you out. We gotta get you out there golfing too, brother. Because uh, oh, I'm on it. Oh, bro! You get out there once, you're gonna be hooked, bro. I I, I'm I used to I, fuck I with might the, lose my life, all my career, and everything because of golf, bro. It's so damn addicting, bro. <laughs> I got I got clubs. I got clubs. Oh, and I, I, used to, there, I, used to, I used to I used to hit the pitch and putt back in the day. So I, uh, I got my, my short started, my short I'm games. Next <laughs> yeah, week, I'm, I'm taking you out, bro. I'm down. I'm down. I'm yeah, on it. Yeah, I'm yeah, down yeah. on it. Um. All right. I had one more silly question for you, David. If you could do a uh. What do you say? I said tea time is just as important as call time. Yeah, we got it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah! <laughs> He's banging on me. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, David, one more question for you from me. Um, this is a dumb one, but if you, if there was a origin story on one of the characters that you've played in any of the, in any of the, in any of the projects or films that you could do, what? What what would what would if you know they're gonna make a feature about a character even if it's a small character that you played in any of the films you've been or shows you've been on what would you what what would you want it to be would it be like the rise of Spooky or would it be like let me think let me think let me think let me think, let me think. you can't say a father's you know, journey part two you know you know what you know what character I think was beautiful but like. The develop, you know, obviously I was just co-starring, so there wasn't any development in my character, and I feel my character could have even been brought back. But that same character got me out of minds, to be honest with you. It was a was a character in uh, Sons of Anarchy, mm. and I love that character because I, I was just like a uh, a hardworking uh, dad taking care of his family that got caught up by the cartel and mm. um, loses my sister. As a matter of fact, my sister was Cristela Alonso. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh. She's a big time comedian. She was yeah. the first woman to have her own TV sitcom. Like she's she's a badass. But anyways, um, that character and I like that character a lot because I was able to show vulnerability. And if we were to get a backstory on it, man, like I think it'd be pretty interesting. You know what I'm saying? So I think that one. I, sorry, it wasn't funny. I took it. I took it. <laughs> no, that was funny. But yeah, no, I, I don't know, bro. Silly one. Okay, I'll tell you this. So maybe I sh maybe I should or I sh I don't know if I should. I will. Okay, do it. It's po I'm just gonna say it's possible. It's it's like potential, right? Fluffy in me as Tijuana cops and our and our mm. and our cop our Tijuana our our our, our uh, cop car is a is a Volkswagen Bug. Mm. Okay. So I that'll be it. cool. Yeah. Because I want to tell you the truth, I love comedy. I just don't get a chance to do enough of it. So I'm yeah. not, I guess I'm gonna have to write it. But that's one potential right there. Now imagine that. Just even our uniforms, bro. <laughs> Trying to get into a little Volkswagen. That's what I, that's what it is, right? A Volkswagen bus, like the little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, got yeah. Pictures, bro. I got pictures. Oh my god, <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Oh, I hope right. I don't get in trouble. I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> delete this part. Delete this part. All right, we're gonna let me let me let me write that. Let me uh, cut that. Cut, <laughs> cut, cut, let, me write, let me let me write the timestamp now. Um, all right, well we, we we've been uh we've been live here with uh, David Fernandez Jr. Me hand this show. Listen to us. You you'll be able to listen to this podcast audio only starting uh what is this we usually we lose them on sunday morning or monday morning so you'll be able to listen to this uh audio only we stream live thursday evenings 8 p.m across all the 2am burrito channels youtube.com slash 2am burrito facebook.com slash 2am burrito and we also are on twitch.tv slash 2am burrito uh live with mr david fernandez david um earn your life what is the mm-hmm. next thing that what where will we see you next on the big screen Mm. Uh, repeater, I think, is next. Repeater Repeat. and I, bro, you know what's so crazy? These movies we do like two, three, four years, and then you know, I do a lot of them. So, I look at my IMDb because right now the only one that I can think of is Repeater, <laughs> but I think I think I got others as well. Uh, you got uh, Day Labor, uh, Repeater, Final yeah. Vow, Clue, okay. uh, Those all went to cons. Day Labor and uh, Repeater <clears throat> went nice. to Con Film Festival. Nice. Okay. okay. So they're getting distribution, so that'll be theatrical, whatever, whatever. It's going to be cool. So, yeah, so those, and then I, I just did two other ones, and then I got Born another one in October. So it's going to be fun. Currency. He's hustling. He's on it. He's yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. I get blessed, man. I get a lot of callbacks, which is cool. Yeah. All right. Well, shit. If they need a stand-in, I think I can. You know. <laughs> you, hey, All right, guys. Well, I want to thank uh, David Fernandez Jr. for stopping by the show. Make sure you guys go uh, uh, download there in your life app. Uh, check him out. You'll you'll be able to watch his filmography there. Um, you're always welcome to come back on the show anytime you want, man. Yeah. Open invite. So we're going to be hanging around. If you get bored, you can always drop back in. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you so much. Very nice to meet you, Sophia. Nice to Edwin, meet you. I wish you the best on your project, my brother. Yeah, yeah. Keep shining. All you guys, keep, you please keep rising up, all right? Mm-hmm. I love you guys. All right, all right David. Peace out. Yeah, yeah. All right, bye. All right, peace out, David. God. All right, that was David Fernandez Jr. That was a good interview, right? What a beautiful soul. My God. Let me remove him here from the... There he no, goes. There right. we go. There we go. All right, And then there were three. And then there were three. Hi, Edwin. Hey, what's going on, Sophia? How are you doing in this heat? Ooh. I have like two fans going on. So I like, just in case I couldn't hear you guys, I have to like put on these headphones. That way uh, these fans don't over uh, overshadow you guys. Mm. But, yeah. Cool. How about was, you guys? I was telling Sophia earlier before we got on that uh, my power went out Saturday and Sunday last week. Ooh, so, yeah. like right now, I turned my fan off because, like, if I could get through, if I could get through that night, I can get through pretty much anything because it was mm-hmm. literally the hottest day ever recorded in Chula Vista, temperature-wise. The hottest day it broke records for the hottest day in Chula Vista, and right at like uh, seven thirty. <laughs> At night, our power went out. It didn't come back on till 3.30 p.m. the next day. So that whole night and the next day, all out of power. And then it was on for four hours, and then it went back out again till the next day. You're in Chula Vista as well? Yeah, I'm right right by by Hilltop High School, right down the block. You too, Sophia? Yeah, I'm in Main Street. Yeah. Oh, nice! So I'm in San Isidro, so oh, yeah, wow. yeah, real it's close. A, <laughs> it's, a South, it's a South Bay episode. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, South, like Dairy Mart. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right. I, I used to live right by Dairy Mart, right, right, right by the, the McDonald's, right up my, the block, right there. My office is right there at Starbucks. Like every oh. morning, I wake up, I walk to that Starbucks and Dairy Mart, and like I'm in the zone, just reading or uh, writing. So. But you work on Third Avenue too, or I saw you. You're on Third Avenue, or or do you do you just have a? Is man, that, just I like used, a... that used to be my other spot. That used to be my um. Oh man, brew bar. It was like a piano mm -hmm. bar slash coffee shop, and I used to love yeah. going. There. They had live music in the evenings, and uh, shout out to the owner Alex and and uh, yeah. all the musicians I met from there. Th that I, I put in Fuego as well. Like everybody, me, I try to put oh. in Fuego, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, uh, Third Ave. No, it's like one of my favorite places to go support. So right now it's Grindhouse. That's one of my other favorite coffee shops I look mm. going to. Um, I just love taking meetings. Like I love meeting people. Uh, if it's regarding a, uh, a gig, I just set up meetings at coffee shops, preferably mm. like independent coffee shops. Like tomorrow I'll be in uh, Barrio Logan at the Chiquita Cafe. Oh, good. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever been there. It's like that nice little pink. It's like a nice pink cafe with epic decorations but uh but seriously edwin how are you doing about the queen <laughs> which queen queen are you doing all right are you are you doing okay i mean the the queen man how <laughs> how honest can i be <laughs> brutally brutally uh, yeah uh man shit. well irish I, irish twitter is going off um mm -hmm. you, you, <laughs> Well, I don't want to touch that subject. All right. Well, <laughs> I, was like, I think yeah, okay. uh, you caught me off guard with the queen. Uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Oh, okay. Well, you've joined us on the back end of the show um, where we usually where clear, weird. Where we clear out some tabs and we talk about the news of the week. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to, we want to talk a little bit about your movie and the process, but you are welcome to stick around. Cause, um, you know, this is kind of the part of the show where we do that and re react. Cause I'll, I'm going to, we're going to be throwing out some talk about some stuff that's ongoing right now. So you're more than welcome to, to hang out and, uh, talk yeah. about that, but real quick, let's, let's, um, let's really just, let me just, let, let's just get some, some stuff out of the way here. So I did see another film of yours that was at uh, the festival last year, which was the documentary sort of. Uh, What's your hustle? Uh, Shout out to Johnny De La Cruz of Muscle T. What's your hustle platform? Uh, What's your hustle, a, right? Yeah. And uh, the next, the another episode just released uh, that's also playing at the New York Latino Film Festival. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Elia, how's it going? Um, so I have another uh, documentary also playing at the New York Latino Film Festival as well. So there's Fuego, my narrative film. Um, and then there's uh, the documentary with the same platform, Muscle T. Shout out to Johnny. <laughs> what was um, what 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 is the difference for you between narrative and documentary in terms of the the the, the planning production? Does is anyone more tedious than the other? Hmm. The reason I'm asking is that when we study film, we sort of you know narrative is your obviously interpretation of your own stories and what you want to tell. But sometimes when you're doing a documentary. You know there is a there is a theory that once you start recording something you change its environment so you know it's almost kind of impossible to make a true documentary about about a subject because once you start the cameras rolling they're immediately changed by the fact that there's cameras on them so mm, do you okay, feel so that or do you approach each of those differently i approach exactly so uh uh so working with these so documentary right uh What's going to be different about this documentary than the one you saw last year at the San Diego Latino Film Festival is I'm actually including 
the CEO of the brand as well. And he wasn't, and I, uh, it was, so, I didn't want him to be aware that he's usually my host asking the questions, but this time I want to try something different um, for the sake that I know that he's trying, he's establishing himself as a, uh, as a talent to go to as well, you know, being a face for his brand. And so uh, I included him. So we had like a three camera setup and I only gave directions to my man's Marcaricas, uh, my, my main cinematographer. And I was telling him, um, so we had two stationary cameras on the, uh, the main subject. And then Johnny being our host, we had that, that third camera floating around. So when he would, we would try we would capture him asking the questions and then that camera would just kind of like get different angles, various angles. So it looks like that uh, makes it look like we're everywhere. Um, and it's uh, pretty dope. It's in New York City. Floating. Rooftop. Yeah, just floating around, just floating around. But uh, my goal is, uh, I, you know, that I'm very aware of that. So I try my best to uh, give like subtle cues to the cinematographer uh, that we're rolling. Or when we're rolling, I just, I don't want the talent to be aware that we're rolling. I just want them to really be in the zone and be in the conversation with me, be in the moment. You know, that's very important to me as a, it's kind of similar, actually, you know, even in narrative, like I, I really try to warm the actors up as well as, uh, and having them be in the moment uh, that, you know, like just forget the cameras are rolling, just just get in character and just warm up with me, you know, and then and then we go from there. Well, Edwin, if we if you shoot the rehearsal, it's not a rehearsal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's say let's let's shoot the rehearsal. Then it's not a rehearsal. Did I say rehearsal? Oh, yeah. let me let me scratch that. It's not a rehearsal. You're right. We already rehearsed. Rehearsals are already done without the cameras. But once we get once we're rolling, like I want the characters to be in the moment already. Like they already rehearsed it, so we're ready to go. And then you know the first take is always the ones that like they have to like just get it out their nerves out the way, and then boom, okay, go moving on to the close-ups mm. <laughs> or so. How long did it take you to? I, I know that Fuego's a Fuego's a very personal story. You know, since, you know, you're talking about music, you're talking about culture, you're talking about father son mm. relationship. Um, uh, how long had that been running around in your head and, and how long did it take you to to for it to germinate enough that you were able to put it down on paper? Man. OK, so the whole story there. So I watch In the Heights. Love that movie. Watched In the Heights last uh, last year in, in August. And so I just knew the next piece, the next thing I needed to do for my creative portfolio was. Uh, do narrative content, right? Like I already did music videos, commercials, and documentaries, but I didn't have any narrative content. So if I want to direct in the heights, I needed something to show for it. And so um, I that's when I started developing an idea. And I already had ideas. I have various ideas, right? As, you know, as a creator, you're, you're always going to have, oh, thank you, creator. Mm -hmm. oh, no, creator. <laughs> you're always mm -hmm. going to have, you're always going to have ideas, right? But then um, there's a lot that's happening. I'm very easily influenced by what's happening in my life at that moment. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, so I want to do a salsa film. I want to do one, uh, in New York city. Oh. That was like my goal. That's where salsa started. So I wanted to do in New York city and that's where my dad was born and it just made sense. And then I want to do a film on third Ave. actually, like I want to do a film on the, uh, Quincierta culture, uh, fashion, yes. fashion, uh, graf uh, graffiti artist that I was going to create a character just on that, that concept. Cause I, mm -hmm. I was very intrigued by third Ave and, and, um, but however, like, I was like, dang, I don't have a short film. It's already, I was a little, I get a little too ambitious sometimes. So I thought like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to do a, my goal of last year was to do a feature film, uh, but I didn't have a screenplay ready. So, uh, and the person I was working with or, uh, 
I was kind of relying on to help me bring my screenplay to life. He moved to Europe and I had to just kind of like, well, I've been sitting on this book, Save the Cat forever. Let me read that book and let me see if it has the answers for me to uh, bring my idea to life. And so I read Save the Cat. Then it had another book recommendation, The Writer's Journey. And so here I am reading these two books and fleshing out my feelings, the, the meanings, the, the, the character archetypes, like who these characters should represent. And uh, more importantly, so there's so there was also another uh, event that was happening in my life, which was um, as, as motivated and passionate as I am pursuing my goals, I try to help my circle and, and uh, my community grow as well, but starting with my siblings. And there's some close friends and including my siblings that are very stubborn, uh, who don't feel like they could do more than they can than they can now. And that kind of like bothered me. So of course, like, man, like how can I help my community grow if I can't even help my own brother grow, right? So I just kind of channeled those feelings into this, that these feelings channeled into this uh, film. And, uh, and then I decided like, okay, and then, you know, layers by layers, right? There, that was kind of the central theme was like, creating a story to inspire people to pursue their fuego, their passions, their ambitions. That's kind of what I define as fuego. And, um, and then I started using elements of my life, like, cool, you know, like shit, well, uh, you know, salsa dancing, showing culture, right. And then educating people on certain elements. Like it always makes me, I always enjoy uh, when people that don't know what Coquito is, they always want Coquito based on when they see the film. Coquito's Puerto Rican spiked eggnog, if you guys don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, it's it's tied into the bartender's uh, tool set. And I love it when people are saying, like, dang, I want to try Coquito, like, after that. And, you know, uh, taking a page out of uh, Crazy Rich Agents. I grew up in Queens Ooh. and on the Upper West Side. Many Coquito. Uh, many Coquitos. Many oh, Coquitos. Okay, you know what's up with these, you know yeah, yeah. these coasts. So, uh, I took a page out of like, I also love Crazy Rich Asians. Like I love what they did with their Fuck film, yes. representation. And then there's a lot of things that the director is showing you, like kind of educating you on his culture and places to eat. And then even the game that was included at the end, I don't have, I have no idea what game they're playing, but I'm very intrigued by like, wow, that's cool. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like not on the nose, but he, he's showing you his culture. And I got <clears> like, man, I want, I took a page from that book. It's like, I want, there's things that, I know people aren't familiar with within a Puerto Rican culture and I want to showcase that. Uh, and uh, as, I, as, I, as I was running, uh, I run like almost every, every other two days. Uh, and that's when I do the most medita uh, meditating. And mm -hmm. I just remember just thinking about like my father, like how much of my influences are based on my father's passions, like his films, his, uh, his favorite movies. I haven't seen a good salsa film since Dance With Me. And that was like with Cheyenne and, and Vanessa Williams back in the Whoa. 90s, early 90s. And that was my dad's favorite, like, like not the ballroom aspect, but the, the 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 scenes where they went and danced in the club in Miami. And he used to express how much joy, like those scenes, he just expressed how much joy those scenes brought him. And, and I haven't seen a salsa film that captured that in a while. And I just knew that uh, just moving forward with salsa, like, dang, you know what? Like uh, when I was going to USC, I was introduced to the salsa world, the social dance world. And I mm -hmm. didn't even know it existed until uh, my executive producer, my co-producer on the film, she introduced my, uh, one of my best friends I met at USC first semester. 
she's like, oh, you're Puerto Rican? You know how to dance salsa? Hey, you got to come out to this uh, social event. And and I go and I was like, oh, what, the, what do these people know about salsa, right? So I go mm-hmm. and I'm like, damn, they know more than me. You know, so so I start. So then that like bothered me like, damn, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican. I don't even know how to dance salsa. So I was like, it was in the back of my head. Like, man, I need to make a, I need to learn salsa. And so eventually here's this film that comes along. And I knew that I was going to hire like a salsa teacher and, and, um, I didn't realize this film will like kickstart my passion for dance again. So um, in the theater world, I- I'm known for dancing. There's this play called La Pasarela that I play a break dancing angel for. Uh, shout out to Teatro Magica mm-hmm. with uh, Dave Rivas and Reese Green, Willie Green, and uh, directed by William Virtues. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a play I love doing. I get to choreograph the numbers and I get to dance my ass off. And that's what people know me more as a dancer, as an actor dancer. But I have not done anything that highlights those talents in film. And so here I am, that's the next layer. So if you're wondering where the salsa element came from, it's like, cool, I have to, you know, I have to showcase my dance talents now. But, um, but uh, anyway, so all this is happening. I go back to working at the bar September. So now I add that element in there. Um, and then I just remember that, uh, the final piece, right? So, so in the, if you, the trailer, that's my, that's actually, my actual dad and mom dancing. I don't know if you guys know that, but that VHS footage, that's my dad's actual VHS footage from uh, when he was in, in the Navy, when he used to like record and edit. So I used his like footage. And I just remember that that was like the final piece I needed to just kind of really kick off the story, um, which was pursuing how that happiness. And uh, my dad, if anybody that knew my dad, uh, he was, salsa was his life. He loved music and dancing more than more than us, I feel like sometimes. And uh, and I just remember watching uh, this video with family <clears throat> um, and just that one moment seeing him smile. I was like, man, like if nobody, if anybody didn't know this man, they could clearly tell this person is happy doing what he does. And then at the same time, here I am developing Fuego. And I'm like, maybe you know what? Maybe that's what my character is trying to pursue as well. And, and so I just added that. And it just kind of worked. Everything just started to flow, just the, just the whole development process. And once I felt like that kickstarted the whole, all the ideas and kind of weaved up all the scenes and the plot together, mm-hmm. I was ready to go. I was ready to film and then uh, ready to uh, write it. Sorry, right, ready to write it. And I had till November 18th to write it because I was already, already planned my production dates for December 18th through the- Damn. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Planned. You what, planned what, production what, dates before the writing? What, what draft I knew did what you I was going to have it done. I knew what? I had let's, a final draft. I knew wow. I was going to have the. Uh, well, no, no. I, I'm I, saying let me let's ask, let's ask some pertinent indie questions here. What draft of the script did you shoot? Like how many final. drafts? How many drafts? No, final. Wow. Two, two, yeah. two drafts. Two drafts. Is the second? Yeah. So you shot the second draft. The second draft with very minor changes, but the first draft was like solid. Like you know, and I have like good. I have like people I can rely on to. If they if the script sucked, they would have told me it sucked. Hmm. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I have very good close friends that I listen to that, that especially like my cinematographer, you know, like all I needed to hear was like, he loved it. And he, you know, and he told me to shut up. He, I remember Mark Rica, shout out to Mark Rica. I remember he was one of the first two people I had, I needed to read it because he was going to be my cinematographer for it. And he's very, he's brutally honest with me. Right. So, and. Uh, Please so tell me somebody he, calls him strawberry. Mark Rica? Yeah. Does I don't people, know. Do people call him strawberry? Okay. Why? I, well, that's the story. I gotta. I gotta bring. Yeah, it. No, no, no. Because I, if every time people bring up his name, I'm like, people call him Strawberry, right? And they're like, no. I'm like, why would it Strawberry Margarita? 
Oh! <laughs> I was like, I would call him Strawberry every day for the rest of his life. I'd be like, what's up, Strawberry? Oh, like, man, that's hilarious. It? Strawberry well, you Margarita. Know, when you deliver I, that joke, you have to say the full name. Strawberry, strawberry Margarita. Margarita. That's funny. <laughs> what do you have? I'll have one of those guys. You know, I'm just, I'm sorry. I mean, I've never met um, Strawberry. I mean, <laughs> I've never met Margarita. Shout out Margarita. But I've always, every time I've heard that dude's name, I'm always like, I bet, I bet somebody, I bet somebody, I bet his nickname is Strawberry. Can we have that, him on the show I, and then we'll change his name as Strawberry. <laughs> strawberry. Strawberry. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a, I had a strict deadline, right? So I knew that deadline was coming November 18th because a good, you know, a good month is enough time for me to produce and direct something. But what I didn't take into account, knowing that I was now uh, being an actor I, I was putting a lot of uh, a lot on my plate within a month. So, but um, however, you know, I I did it. <laughs> but uh, so November eighteenth was I November seventeenth is when I had the proofreaders read it, and they caught the little errors. Oh, that's okay. There you go. So the, the first drafts when I had to proofread, and then they caught little small errors. Like, is it supposed to be this name? I was like, oh, you know what? I messed that up. Cool. And then the final draft was like, cool. This is what I'm filming. They, the the people who read it that I needed to read it loved it, and I kind of was testing the waters. Like you know what? I was like you know what? Well, let me send it out to like strangers. Let me send it out to like people who don't know me. You know, and and really because I was I was uh, even though I put in I put my heart into this like project, and I just still did I still didn't believe that uh, I wrote a, a good screenplay. Let me send it out to you know the person I had New York City Mark uh, Rain out in uh, New York. If, uh, you know, the one I want to cast as my brother in the film, if he loved it, he didn't know me. And I didn't, I just barely, we just crossed paths in the New York Latino Film Festival last year. And uh, I was like, you know what, let me send it to him. And he he loved it, jumped on a phone call. And I was like, well, I want to cast you as the brother. Cool. And then um, flew him out here. And yeah, the rest is history. Um, that's a tight, that's a tight, that's a, that's a tight work process for an indie. I think that that probably speaks especially if your background is in is in video and documentary that 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 you probably took some of those sensibilities of like organization and like mm -hmm. scheduling and stuff like that and that that because i usually recommend people you know don't shoot anything before the third draft and, mm. and and then don't and then give yourself some you know give yourself time for your for if it's first especially if it's one of your first narratives uh but you seem to have been able to to take kind of like it's not like most people's first narrative where they're going to be, be making some more mistakes. I think that, and it, and it shows from the trailer um, that you put some quality on, on, on the, on the screen. Have my baby Edwards cut. Right yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, we have, we have our first, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, he he says you got a you got a sub on YouTube, Conrad, and you know, think about it. He didn't say no. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, he didn't say no. He didn't say no. <laughs> I don't know who it is. I'm like wondering who that is right now. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is it, it seems like you've taken what you've learned in your other genres and you've brought yeah, it because that yeah. seems like a like a tight schedule and like a very quick turnaround from script to all right. You like the script? Let's shoot them. You know. I've been put in some tough positions as a director where I had to deliver like. Like out of out of not by choice, but like as a director, I had to come up with a shot list for like a forty minute uh, uh, show, and uh, you know, like and and the thing about the show was like I I understood my assignment was like okay, 
I'm not directing the show. I'm bringing the show to the screen. It's a, it was a play. And so, uh, I had By the to way, create... Conrad just subscribed. So you have to have his baby. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to I had to create a shot list within a week, and then and then I had to multicam direct and like you know like the, the like I realized like oh okay you know like I, I was what I was capable of under like a very like a week time crunch right out of my out of not what it wasn't in my control at all but seeing that I was able to put in the work and make it happen I was like oh you know what cool I that took me a week I can only imagine when I do the you know, when I have control over what I'm doing um, and I have a month to create a shot list, like, oh, like, it should be no problem. I'm going to have uh, three cameras anyway. I'm going to have do three you, cameras. Oh, you shot three cameras? I shot with three cameras. <laughs> I shot with three cameras for sure. So I had like, we uh, we had our steady cam and then we have two stationaries. Uh, we, I, 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 I tell, I'm telling you, I'm very ambitious. So with that experience, it's like, you know what? Uh, you know what I was also inspired by? So I love Damien Chazelle, right? Uh, director of Whiplash and uh, La La Land. I always thought to myself, like, man, I can make the Puerto Rican version of La La Land, you know, mm -hmm. with salsa music. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he started he started his he started his journey off as a uh, with a short film. Whiplash started off as a short film, and boom, kicks off. Right, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I don't know if you know. No, but no, it, 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 uh, Whiplash Whiplash uh, opened at San Diego International. Sorry. Oh. Really? Oh mm -hmm. shit! I did not know that. That's epic. So I just knew that as a director, writer, he was able to create that, and then knowing that I was gonna, you know, I was producing it, directing, writing, it, and acting in it, I was like, oh, you know what? Cool. I, you know, I'll save more time, and because, you know, if I get ideas, I kind of move pretty quick as it is. Like, oh, you know what? I just had this idea. Let me see if this could happen. I, it's weird as a producer writer mindset. Like, I, I it's very hard to. Uh, it was very hard to sometimes like separate the two. Like I just had to write it and not try to limit myself, you know, like just write it. If, like, if the story calls for it, write it and not worry about the uh, producing aspects to it. And that was kind of like something I was starting to discover in this, right. I discovered a lot about myself in the writing process. And even till this day, I'm even as I'm continuing to read uh, story development books, they, it just continues to bring out more and more layers uh, into this story and just kind of helped me discover things and my influences and, and you know, more into my uh, feelings and why I feel about this way. And, and uh, uh, but yeah, that was my whole development process. But, you know, uh, I, I don't recommend it either. Like something, you know, I, I, I told myself I knew as, as high as I love to aim, I know there's always going to be something to learn from. And, and one of the things I learned from in this case was my ambition uh, it, it could be, uh, it's, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but uh, trying to shoot it in three days. That's why I did the three cameras, right? Like, cool. I know I keep, you know, it's 22, 22 pages. Um, and then on the third day we had a COVID scare. So we had to stop production. So like the extras in the bar. Yeah. That added more. It was very difficult in the, as a indie producer to shoot this yeah. during COVID was hell. It was so much stress for me. Um, but I got it done. We we able we were able to pick up production in late January and put and finish. Just I got to learn from the whole experience. Uh, I got to see what could uh, be fleshed out more. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, like I, I for one thought I could learn salsa dancing in three weeks. No, no, no. that's really? not the case. I but now I still continue the process. I still train at the Sale Studios. My co-star, shout out to Serena. 
uh, Cuevas, the uh, owner of the sales studios in Old Time Mall. Um, so I, uh, I'll be a guest bartender actually there if you guys you know plug in oh, uh, September twenty third Friday September twenty third at the sales studios. Uh, mm. I'm uh, guest bartending at her uh, dance social. So if you guys oh, you know nice. want to go some uh, salsa and bachata dancing, I'll yes, send me the info. <laughs> Uh, we are live, uh, Mi Gente Show, uh, live across all platforms, facebook.com slash 2 burrito, youtube.com slash 2 burrito, twitch.tv slash 2 burrito. If you are tuning in, live a like, give us a sub, a follow, etc. Leave a comment, helps us out. And if you have any questions for myself, Sophia, or Mr. Edwin Franco about his movie, or about life in you. general. Yeah, I have please. a question for you. Where did the... I always... 2 a.m. burrito. Where did that come from? Is it like late nights from like the club bar and let's go get a burrito? Because that was me at one point. So I was curious. Hit the nail on the head on that one. This is uh, I'm having Kurt do a song for me. That's uh, that's that's going to be like closing time. You know the song closing time. Closing uh, but, time. But it's but it's it's story time because that's anytime I have to tell a story that I've told a million times on the podcast, I'm going to play that. Um, but no, uh, the short answer to that is it's a time and a place. I'm from New York, Queens. Um, mm. Obviously, I'm Colombian and Uruguayan, but I've been adopted as a Mexican. Uh, oh, yeah. I, so, see the, I see the flags uh, behind you. I, I noticed that too. <laughs> yeah. But um, but when we were out here first, we used to play poker a lot, go to the casinos, go out and stuff. And uh, the crew would, and I would always be like 145. I'd be like, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go get a burrito. Let's go home. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. so that was, and it's a uniquely San Diego thing. At 2 a.m., you, get, you yeah. get a burrito. If you get off on Dairy Mart, you go down to the, the Rigoberto's a little bit down the block mm-hmm. right there and come back up. Um, if you're on eight, you know, you go to whatever. It was always, uh, it was always that. So we did it so much. That my friend Anthony uh, was like, was started making fun about me about it. So he'd be like, uh, it'd be, we'd be playing poker at, at like one in the morning. It'd be like, hey, Lou. And he has a lisp. And he'd be like, hey, Lou, the taco shop is getting worried. You haven't put in your order yet. The burrito, they got the carne asada set aside for you. They're waiting for the 2 a.m. burrito crew. So he would just all the time make the same joke over and over again. So when we started the production company, I was like, let's just call it, let's go like view askew, like something just silly. You know, just like a silly name. Please so like, tell me, please yeah, tell me, it. you've included like a trademark. Like, there's got to be burrito in each of your films. Please tell me, there's a burrito. Yeah, there's definitely burritos. There's definitely we definitely have that. Because uh, yeah. I was gonna do, I was definitely gonna showcase uh, California burrito in, in the the feature Ooh. film for sure. I'm trying to make it. I'm telling you, I'm trying to make it San Diego. Yeah. Like, and not to be on the nose, right? Like people. If they're gonna like ask these questions, like especially people on the East Coast, they don't know what a California burrito is. You know, like mm. I, you know what I mean. So, so I'm excited to um, to hopefully show that bring bring California burritos yeah. to the world. What's your geography? <laughs> Are you from San Diego, born and raised, or born and raised San Diego? Yep, my dad really? was Navy, uh, Puerto Rican and Mexican. My dad was Navy. That's how he ended up out here. And my mom is a uh, I'm first generation uh, Mexican on her side. You know, she came here legally at one point and then got her papers. Or through my dad, I guess. So. <laughs> uh, just because, just Sorry just because, you, time. just because you, just because you mentioned that, I have to play this for you guys. Uh, <laughs> this is a shout out to a buck and the homegirl K that did this for us back in the day. Uh, it's forty three seconds. We'll be right back. Check this out, Edwin. thing about Europe though it's just a little thing 
Oh yeah, like what? Like, you know what they call a California burrito in Paris? Don't they just call it a California burrito? Nah, man, it's Europe. I don't know shit about California. Okay, so what do they call it? A burrito royale. A burrito royale, huh? Yeah. I mean, isn't it still just a California burrito with french fries? Don't even get me started on the french fries. Okay. <laughs> we, we 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 did that as just like a throwaway joke when we were filming a forty eight once, and I just always kept it. Wait, I gotta know what's your guys' favorite spots for California burritos? Hmm. Jeez. I don't. Ooh. I mean, it, it's almost like people have the I, right. That's the thing about San Diego. People don't have like their favorite taco shop. They have their favorite pl- for burritos. They have their favorite place for tostadas for tacos, etc. For California, definitely not Lolita. Uh, definitely not Lucitas because it's just like, or or uh, Lolitas because it's just a French fry burrito. Definitely a place that doesn't give you too many French fries that do it like that, and definitely not a place that's by a high school that's used to ripping off uh, junior high schoolers. Hey, I lived <laughs> off of that in middle school. Okay, don't knock it. <laughs> the carnitas fries are the only reason why I'm here today. Yeah, but mm. I. So it kind of it, it kind of uh, Castaneda's back in the day, like in um, would be would be before. Oh no, it, actually they got changed to a Castaneda's. It used to be a Santana's in North Park. Mm. I think that was a place we used to go to. Santana's, that was the joint back in the day. What about you, Sophia? I okay. Don't don't at me. Don't shame me. I have not had a burrito like a California burrito in years. Okay, years. Guys. We just teed you. We I go just to TJ. Te- I go to TJ, and we I just teed you up to promote it. your own restaurant, dummy. Oh, I'm sorry, Casa del Taco, <laughs> <laughs> National City, Chicago <laughs> Road. Everybody, there's better food though. I'm just saying the California burrito is great, but like there's real Mexican food, the Guadalajara, you know, cocina in Mexico. Mm, it's really good. Out. Yeah, I had mole today from there. I eat there daily. Again, that's why I'm alive. Um, Casa del Taco, Sweetwater Road, <laughs> National City, you guys. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah. Super Sergio's for me. That's like my one of my go-to spots. <sighs> Super, Super Sergio's, Sergio's is... on National on Sweetwater Road in National oh, City. Oh, dude, they're oh, that's right next door of Casa del Taco. Right there. Is it? Oh, shit. Yeah, neighbors. We. Casa del Taco. I'm going to throw Super Sergio's under the bus real quick because they come eat lunch at Casa del Taco. I'm just saying they're workers. <laughs> Step out of Super Sergio's and physically go to my restaurant to eat food. Just saying. Mm. Mm. So just take those extra couple of steps, get out your car, and go to Original Casa del Taco is what Sophia is saying mm. next yeah. time. If you're in the Sweetwater area. It's a good we're, talk- in. We're, talking, oh, we're talking burritos. Roberto's on El Cajon. Roberto's on El Cajon. Okay, Roberto's. That, yes. I used to end up drunk there all the time. Yes. But like I said, uh, it's a time and a place. If we were in L.A., it might be hot dogs or it might be some whatever the L.A. is, whatever the food of the of the week is in New York. It'd be a slice of pizza and TJ. It's tacos or, or hot dogs wrapped in bacon, mm. et cetera. So. So, yeah. So that's my answer to that. Um, Edwin seems to have turned the table on us. He's the one started asking. Sorry, yeah. We got to We got to take. We got to <laughs> wrestle control back. Let's go back. <laughs> no, dude, I, I, I did. I did. Um. And I, and I think I talked to you briefly during the festival last year, but I, I've never really connected with you. So just uh, being able to talk to you and hear how you talk about film and stuff, like I said, I'm impressed with your hustle and how you've been able to take uh, your experiences in other genres to make a successful run at, at, at improving that. You have um, a lot of ambition. 
you're shooting you're shooting on a tight schedule forcing yourself to write under dire straits uh you're going three cameras you know which has got to be you know it's got to be tough for lighting and for your editors and stuff like that so you're, you're being very ambitious out there um so you know Ooh, I, I gotta i gotta that's all well i mean i'm enjoying that yeah. i'm enjoying this i'm, yeah, I'm enjoying getting is, to know that yeah like with the cameras they all have their sign like it's so easy mm -hmm. like with the narrative like narrative is so easy for me honestly because in the sense of being able to you know line a script and write the shots it was i just pretty much had the edit down for the editors there's no way they can mess it up and they i mean they're artists too but for the most part it's like like if i know like wait this 2as this 2a uh one or i forgot what i labeled the shot as if i know this shot was specifically for a intimate moment to show emphasis uh when i drop what is fuego to the character like this is the money shots you should have you know and then your backup shots uh but everything is in pre-pro like i it's just you know, like, I love what David was saying. He was so right about the, you know, like the, the stories we're trying to tell today. And as long as you show, you know, bring that lens, right? What makes you unique? What makes you you? You know, like what makes, what? how do you bring your background and your culture into the stories you're trying to tell? And I love what he said, because it's so true. Like my background, so I started off as a dancer, uh, hip hop dancer, and then I got into uh, acting. And then from acting, I've been trying to like, I always want to act for film. I love performing for the camera, but here in San Diego, there wasn't many opportunities for actors. So I, I that journey alone to look for, uh, for gigs was a was a process. But luckily, the minute I found that one gig off Craigslist where I played a stereotypical, like I believe it or not, I played the cholo too, and it, it, oh, it was my first man. role. It was like my first role, and. And I was proud. I'm proud of that role because I was able to use that and get a lot more work. But then, uh, and a shout out to uh, Siggy Babonis. He was the first person Siggy. that started. He, he was the first person to start like just sending me out, sending me additions. Like, hey, you know what? There's this audition here and this audition here. And I got cast for a lead role at UCSD uh, under Jen Rubin. And um, Jen Rubin, I still keep in contact with her. She actually shot the poster. This, this photo is her. Oh, wow. She shot the poster. So she was on she was on my uh, film set, but she casted me in her film, and that's what opened my eyes to film production in uh, schools. And I was like, oh, you know what? I never thought about film production. But, you know, like I, I didn't register until the following semester when I was trying to keep myself busy as an actor, not knowing I was producing content. You know, like I, I'm a networker as it is, so – here I am, like just bringing, you know, having locations and bringing actors together. All I needed was filmmakers to bring my ideas to life or their ideas. I just like, oh, cool. All right. We have an idea. Let's do it. All right. Let me, I'll get the locations. I'll set the time. I'll get the, I'll get the actors. I didn't know I was producing. I was just trying to keep myself busy as an actor. And little by little, I started realizing like, like, huh, how come I don't have as much control as a director as I thought I would, you know, who has the full control, creative control. And, um, and I decided to just go back to film. Uh, well, I had more ideas. And then those mm. filmmakers that I would network with were just busy. And I decided to go back to uh, college. You know, like I started at Southwestern Community College for theater and took a big break. I did all the theater classes, but I just wasn't passionate about the GEs or uh, I actually my college reading level was pretty low. So I had to take a bunch of prerequisites to get to the GEs I needed mm. to transfer to university. And um, I just took like a five year break. And when I came back and discovered film production, like I wanted to show my counselor I was serious about film production. And she just 
started giving me a list of classes and I did the classes, loved them, and then did the work just to show, like, just to bring my grades up, right, for the associate's degree. And um, next, uh, when she saw the uh, my grades go up, uh, she started setting me up to go to uh, CSUN, California State Northridge. And I thought, yes. like, why there? Why not San Diego State University, where a lot of my friends went? You know, so I had all these questions, and I started, like, you know, being ambitious and passionate. Like, oh, where do the top filmmakers go that are as passionate as me? And then I saw, you know, USC kept coming up number one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I took a tour there and I just was blown away. I'm like, damn, if I didn't mess up my, uh, if I didn't like fuck up, fuck around in uh, high school, I could have went here. But then uh, the the lowest GPA they they take there, there's no minimum GPA. They, they'll admit you based on how consistent you are with your grades. So uh, the, the presenter was saying the lowest they've admitted was a 2.78. And that was because the the person they admitted, he had a bad start in school, just like me. And then, however, he, that person joined the military. And then when he came back, he started getting all A's. And I was like, oh, man, it sounds like me. I came back to college to pursue film, but I'm getting A's and B's. I got to try harder. And at the time, my GPA was getting close to 3.0. And um, sure enough, man, like I was like, I just worked at it. I had this uh, USC keychain to, to remind me of what I was working towards, even through when I had my doubts and, uh, and it got in and the rest is history. Oh, yeah. yeah. So did you have anything yeah. else for, for Edwin as we hear his, 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 my life story. His, I know we never get to talk. So yeah, no, like, I know. I'm like, I'm learning other. so much. I was actually going to ask, what, were you, what did you major in in USC? But you just answered that question. Yeah, um, sure. man. All right. And how, um, how long was that process of transferring and everything? I, you know what? I didn't realize you, I think people could transfer sooner if they want. They just, it, it, if they transfer sooner, then they would have to complete the GEs that are required. But in my head, I thought like I needed to complete all the GEs before I transfer and take their classes. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, yeah, I took, so I have an AS from Southwestern uh, Associate Science degree from Southwestern College in <clears> film. <throat> and then I decided to, but it was a transfer degree. So I decided to finish the remaining GEs at Los Angeles City College in 2015 and uh, kind of like just network and get out there. Right. And mm -hmm. and uh, meet people. And sure enough, uh, I met uh, I networked on a lot of USC film sets, just asking a bunch of uh, students questions about their personal statements and and uh, even showed up. It's, it's so interesting how like life works sometimes. But um, just asking the just asking people just like what they did to get in and and I just remember one of the um, one of one professor I just happened to stumble across. He told me, "Be very specific why you want to go to USC." Like everybody wants to go here because it's the top film school in the world. But specifically, right. why do you want to go here? And that that kind of gave like, okay, if I can't say that, why do I want to go here? How do I show that I really want to go here? And how pursuing film kind of like changed my life, you know, like mm -hmm. like for the better. And um, and sure enough, that got it. That got me in. I, I believe yeah. so. So, yeah, they saw something in me before I did because, like, I honestly, like, I was, I felt like I wasn't still at their level at the time. That was me at the mm -hmm. time. Today, like, oh no, I'm definitely like, I'm, I definitely have much more confidence. But um, at the time, like, I was still growing. However, USC saw something in me before I did. So mm -hmm. it was nice to get in. Oh my God. Shout out Trojans. Congratulations. Right Jeez, that is not an easy feat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, if I get in, I tell people all the time, if I get in, that's why 
I struggle to tell my siblings, like, listen, if I got in, anybody could get in, you know, like, it's just a matter of how, you know, your persistence and like how, if you really want something, you'll, you'll work towards it. Right. And it's not even about school anymore. Like, it's more about like, even like your, your goals, if you really want something, you just got to plan the steps to achieve it. Right. So, but right now, like the school, the school is great, like for the credentials. And I definitely take advantage of, of that, that, Im- <laughs> that image or the, those credentials. But, but I've always been this, this, uh, motivated and persistent person you know like it's just i've always had that drive it's coming across edwin it, 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 oh, yeah. it's I'm like impressed it's, by your work ethic it's insane like periphery peripherally i've been aware of your existence in, in locally in san diego and in some of your projects and stuff but we never really got a chance to no, like sit, i know right sit yeah. down and chat well I, like i said I've, like i always say actors get to play around and go from set to set and stuff like that. But usually directors, producers have their own little universes that, 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 that they're working for. Like, like I talked to Ian Tripp or other directors or this person or that person. And and sometimes when you're at the top of your own food chain, it's hard to, to get with other people that are also running their own projects, you know, plus at this level, what, what, what reminded me of what you're saying at this level of filmmaking, the director writer is usually the producer as well. So you are running multiple roles. You are setting up locations. You are calling in favors. You are coming out of pocket and stuff like that. So, so it is, and it does seem like you've taken all your skills, your history, and uh, what makes you unique, and you've thrown that into a project that looks well produced yeah. oh, and well planned out. I forgot. You know what's so funny is like the question you ask. I, I sometimes like go off onto this whole journey of a backstory, but I was getting back to the lens. Yeah. Bring that. Right. So I'm bringing all of that, like dancer, actor, music video director, my love for fashion, uh, my, my story, my, uh, experience with telling stories within a brand. Um, and then of course the call to action, right. That's also important. Like, cool. How do I want people to feel when they watch this film and just kind Mm -hmm. of like all of that experience. Right. Cool. And then they just, uh, but yeah, it's so funny. I, I, I got into the whole backstory about, film no it's good it's good it's an oh. interesting you know we're here we're here to chat get to know each other etc it's funny that you brought up the fashion thing because um i didn't get a chance to do it but um i usually do a bracket bit with our guest and oh. your bracket and we'll, we'll do it the next time you come on uh but your bracket bit was going to be um best fitted uh latin celebrity so i was gonna make you choose between <laughs> i was gonna make you choose Ooh. between two latin celebrities and which one dresses the best but uh um, we'll, we'll, that hold on let me fill one out real yeah. quick i didn't i didn't have enough time today to fill yeah, that no out. Yeah. but um but like i said man <clears throat> your passion um comes through your energy comes through from what we've little we've been able to hear from you it's been very evident that that you that you are somebody who has taken steps and is bringing a lot of passion into the work fuego if you will uh it seems to be a very good representation of yourself as a filmmaker. So um, I look forward to seeing it uh, once we get that private yeah, link uh, or at the festival <laughs> next year, if you're yeah. going to make this wait. I submitted um, for the festival. I submitted for the yeah, festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, early bird deadline is tomorrow for SDLFF, the 30th, 30th, 30th day. So you're in there. So actually, 
you don't even need to give me a link because I'm a curator. I can go right on Film Freeway exactly. and I can watch and I can watch it myself. And I can exactly. watch it myself. You I, was, exactly. I, I was trying to hint you. I was trying yeah, to yeah, hint yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. You, I have access to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can I can watch it right now. I'm just, I'm just saying I'll pull yeah. it out and bootleg that. I'm just uh, um, I'll be here for San Diego <laughs> premiere. Like I I was hoping it got into the San Diego International Film Festival. I was really having I had high hopes mm, for it. That was mm. that would have been like you know, I would have been ha very happy, but I didn't get in. So. I have a I have a rant later on about the Ooh, about I, festivals. I, I will talk about it private because yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, I mean, you know. Uh, anyway, I it's it's uh. I feel you. I trust me. I I'll, I'll tell you how many I've submitted to, and it's it's it's. Um... Well, getting I've been I was a curator, an official curator last year, and seeing how the sausage is made really made me appreciate how difficult it is because I had to make tough decisions on mm. films that I thought were good, but you got the X amount of screens. They're like, your showcase can only be 90 minutes. And I'm sitting there yeah. looking at my showcase. It's 132 minutes. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to cut these movies? Yeah. So you try to find movies that'll fit like in the, it's a comedy, yeah. but it's also women driven. So will it fit in Las Mujeres showcase? Yeah. And then yeah. Las Mujeres curator is like, nah, I'm already cutting movies. Yeah. I, so I, I felt that. I, I definitely felt that. Like, so, you know, no, my rant is more, and and I I I know that uh, Terry Ross is a great person here in San Diego. She's a great filmmaker, but the the San Diego uh, the San Diego uh, Movie Awards is a money grab. I'm just gonna mm -hmm. say it. SDMA San Diego Money Grabs is a is a money grab, and I'll tell so you I very specifically why. It's a quarterly film festival when it is impossible to make a film festival. Um, I've been a part of a film festival that's yearly and see how much hard work is put into doing a yearly film festival. Hmm, I think that you can do that four times a year is ridiculous. So when you see oh, a festival, yeah, when yeah, you see a festival it. and they say award of excellence, award of prestige, award of merit, honorable mention, grand jury awards, this is literally a pay for laurels situation. Yeah, I'm going to show yeah. you one other I'm thing. Very and then I'm, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna show you this right now. I'm on Film Freeway. I'm not under my festival account. I'm under my own account. <clears throat> this is another way that you know something is a ripoff or a money grab. When you try to submit to San Diego Latino Film Festival, it's down here, I believe. San Diego Latino Film Festival. Early bird is tomorrow. I hit submit now. Ten dollars to submit a feature. This is the 30th anniversary of one of the most prestigious Latino film festivals in the country. $10 early bird. All right. Not to advantage. For a <laughs> quarterly festival. For a quarterly festival. Festival that's four times a year. It's costing you $30 to submit. Mm. Not only is it costing you $30 to submit, but let's say you have a dramatic comedy that has a dramatic short film that has some some child actors in it, right? Mm -hmm. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to submit to Best Drama Short, $30. Oh, um, does it have LBTGQ? They have that back. LBTQ? LBTGQ. What? They got the order wrong? All right, let's say it's also a sci-fi. $30. Oh, is it a student film? $30. Do you want it to be up for Best Trailer? $30. Would you like it to be up for best feature? $30. Would you like it to be up for best screenplay? Yeah. yeah. $30. Would you Very like aware. it to be up for best? Yeah. So anytime a film festival is asking you to submit extra money to be to be in extra categories, 
it is a money grab. So I'm, I'm just I'm letting. I know that they had an event at Mo at Mopa uh, in San Diego, and people went out. And I know that there's also the San Diego Film Awards and San Diego Film Week, et cetera, et cetera. Look, San Diego saturated. San Diego Movie Awards, San Diego International, San Diego Film Awards, there's a Entertainment Pacific Beach Awards. One. And yeah. there, did you know there's a Pacific, there's a Chila Vista one too? Italian, yeah. Latino, oh, okay. San Francisco, uh, Filipino Film Festival, uh, Underwater, uh, Surf. So. Unfortunately, there's an entire industry based on taking money from filmmakers. 100. And as much as I respect Terry as a teacher and as a filmmaker, as a colleague, this is a money grab. So yeah. avoid that festival. You're just gonna get it's just pay for it's just pay for laurels. Um, I agree. I learned the I learned the uh, with the uh, documentary like like when we when I gave advice to uh, my my boy Johnny like man we we need to. You know, we're sitting on this episode. Uh, let's market it in the um, film festival route, right? And so, I got to see, like, which I got to learn just by by his submissions. You know, like like which film festivals were all about it. The great ones, like San Diego Latino Film Festival, I love. Like, it was a great that was that set the bar for him. Like, like it set the bar for me, especially as a you know as a filmmaker. Like how much. Uh, they look out for for Latinos, yeah. right? So I knew that was my audience. I knew I was going to focus on Latino film festivals for sure. Um, and then, of course, looking for dance film festivals and uh, what else was I looking for? Um, you got to find your niche. My niche. You got to find your, your, your audience. Mm -hmm. And don't spend your money on Sundance or other yeah. shit like that. Avoid, yeah. You're not getting into mm -hmm. it anyway. It's not happening. Yeah. I, I had my first, like when I got my first rejection and it was from like a film festival, I was like, like Beverly, it was was it Beverly Hills? It was like some Beverly. I think it was the Grove, or, and I was thinking like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want it to be the world premiere here, but like, let me submit because I'm eager to start letting the world see this because the goal is to find an audience to start getting my name out there for right, uh, yeah. for film festivals. And when I got rejected from the first one, I'm like, oh damn, that was kind of like a reality check, and it started like giving me uh, doubts, like what the hell, like was this not good enough, like you know, so. So little by little, luckily the right ones, the the right ones that I believe that would get in, I I got in, and then ones that I was hoping for, like you know, like I was hoping for the San Diego International Film Festival. That would have been my San Diego premiere. I was eager for that one, and um, however, now you know there is another uh, San Diego one I submitted for, was <laughs> but not the not the San Diego Movie Awards. I'm very I don't do the quarterly ones. I don't do the film week. Uh, yeah. Film week. I did submit to film week. I was just, you know, like that was an Oceanside. Somebody's an Oceanside one to uh, San Diego. Let's about Sterling who runs that. Sterling um, Ammo runs Oceanside. So I know. think, yeah, but being getting to see how a legit festival runs it, crystallize it as a filmmaker, what you should avoid. You should look for your niche, look for your audience and always reach out and, and, and always ask for a waiver. Uh, SD Latino has like a yeah. If you ask for a waiver, you get one, and and look out for money grabs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's there's a lot of things that 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 young filmmakers need to look out for. Um, so look out for Mr. Edwin Frank Ortiz. Yes, soon you. to be on your big screen, either uh, dancing in an Adidas commercial dancing. or <laughs> as a as a directed by, starring in music by. You never know when this cat's going to show up. I used to work for Adidas. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As well as yeah. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's why it's a good. I was like, oh, he's very observant because I, yeah. I rock yeah. Adidas. That's like my go-to brand. Yeah, when you when you were like when you were like I run, I was gonna say I was gonna throw it in there. I was like in your Adidas. 
when I go jogging in my Adidas. Um, but yeah, man, Edwin, thank you very much for coming on, brother. Thank you for coming in yeah, a little thank early. You for your time. Um, thank you. Hey, well, let's continue that uh, fashion segment because I wanted to. Want to no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, we got Hispanic Heritage Week uh, month starting, and uh, uh, we got some right. guest booked. But mm-hmm. um, but before you know, in a, in a little bit of time, just let we'll just we'll just have you come on. Or we're always on Thursday, so you can always just pop on, and and I'll I'll, I'll have it ready for you. So that if you decide to pop on on an episode, uh, we can knock it out. How about that? Mm-hmm. Will do. Cool beans. All, All right, right, brother. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you. Nice right, to you, Sophia. Thank you. Nice to you as well. Brother, we'll it was later. a pleasure to finally kind of talk to you. Let's yeah. uh, let's catch up. Let's grab a drink or coffee soon. And burrito. And, and a burrito. <laughs> and a burrito. All right, brother. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks a lot. All right, Edwin. <laughs> well, we have Mr. Edwin Franco. Yes, Franco. Sta- stopping, st- stopping by. In his Adidas. In his Adidas. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, that was great. I want to see the film. I'm like anxious. I like want to see it really badly. Oh, I forgot to show him the original Tui and Burrito. Oh, here. yeah. The original. The OG. Yeah, the OG. The OG Burrito. FYI. That's, that's oh, yeah. it. Uh, okay. All right. Shit. <laughs> I'm all right. Double right. guest, but like I said, if I can make it through the other night, which was one of the hottest nights of my entire life, I oh. can make it through pretty much everything. Oh my god, I'm fucking glad you survived that one. Yeah, that so is torture. So, how about are the babies look- okay? Are they recovering, dude? That was the worst part is that uh, they speak of the babies. Um, oh. this dude was, was going through it, he's got a full coat, obviously, he was he was yeah. stressed out. Um, Every, they're not used to just pitch dark. So even though I had some candles up, it was still pretty much pitch dark. And anytime somebody, and since everybody was walking because nobody could sleep because it was a fucking, it was just a hot, still, no wind, horrible, horrible day. So um, anytime somebody would get up and move around, um, they would start barking because they couldn't see anything. Um, I would take a, sh- I would take a cold ass shower put on a, a brand new t-shirt and try to jump in the bed and try to force myself to go to sleep. And, uh, I would immediately start to sweat through the shirt and then oh my God. I would, I would doze off and then all of a sudden the dogs would be barking and I'd be up again and I'd be like, fuck. So yeah. So I, we were up waiting to see if it would get fixed to like three. And then when we realized it wasn't happening, um, cause we kept getting all these fucked up updates from SDG and E. And the thing is, it was only 14 houses that were affected and there were other outages that were like 400 houses and stuff like that. So we just kind of felt like they weren't really taking us seriously. Oh, that's maybe, fucked up. Maybe you did decide. So my eyelines a little bit better. Sorry. Um, okay. now my- and, is it yours? That's yeah, right. Ah. Um, so eventually, uh, I, I was able, like I said, I slept for a little bit, got up, still no power. You know, fed the dogs, went to go charge all my stuff at 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 the La Bobby's house, and then came back. And the next night, I was actually fine because it was back. But anyway, we made it through that. Mm. If we can make it there, we can make it anywhere. Um, Again, reminding everybody, tomorrow is the deadline for San Diego Latino Film Festival. Uh, I'm gonna make this. Let's make this more official here. Hold on a second. Right, hold on, hold on. So, so I can cut this as a promo. And tomorrow is the early bird deadline for the San Diego Latino Film Festival. 30th anniversary, 30th year. It's going to be a monster, monster festival. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of films that are coming out that that we want to... Uh, uh, 
there's a bunch of stuff that's going to be coming out. Um, hopefully, we'll have some 30th anniversary stuff, some films. Uh, I'm reaching out to filmmakers. But if you have any films, uh, well, I do. It's, your message says I'm pooping down there. <laughs> what? No, never mind. My 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 conversation. Nobody saw that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, early I thought you were doing that, a promo. You want? To... No, <laughs> early bird. No, because sometimes you know, like you, it's on Facebook. This is Facebook. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So let's. Uh, let me see. Let me get. Uh, so. Want to do hmm. take three? No, not tape three. Um, the problem is there's a couple of things that that let's let me just I've been trimming I've been trimming the fat here. So the problem is that there's a couple of things that are really topical. So let me just knock those out. Okay. And then we'll get out of here. I can save these other stuff. I want to really do redo my my film rant next week. Uh, we can mm -hmm. cut all this out uh, as I put it as i push things over to episode 19 you know we've done 19 18 episodes whoa really because mm -hmm. when on my tab it says uh on my tabs it's i move it over to the next page uh okay Can't believe that. uh <clears throat> influencer mocked for tone deaf tiktok on skid row mm. does that interest you at all sophia mm -hmm. not really all right not really Commentaries, what a dick. No, she, she drove she drove through LA in a Tesla and posted that she was crying Aww. and she couldn't get out. That gives me uh the CEO that cried for letting people go vibes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh Republican Latinas running in Texas, uh blast Democrats treatment of Hispanic voters. We'll save right. that one. We'll save yeah, that one. Let, uh, that one's going to be a long talk, so save it for let's next. Let's save that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, this this went viral. This was a cool one. This was a ten seconds. Hey, hey. mommy. Yeah. Table sandwich. Table sandwich. Oh. Oh. oh my god. He, he got off the bus to remind her that the sandwich was really really bad. Yeah, no. terrible, terrible sandwich. Uh, -oh. uh, yeah, just a reminder that uh, not everybody is mourning the queen dying. Uh, you know, this uh, I'll, I'll link this before I'll link this to you, and maybe we can uh, touch on it next week. But an incomplete list of British crimes across the world under the reign of Elizabeth II. Um, you know, uh, Kenya, nineteen fifty-two. There is a bloody Sunday massacre. Uh, Fourteen people killed in a civilian. Uh, Iraq, uh, a bunch of shit, you know, look, do, do your research in terms of what's been happening under Queen Elizabeth's reign. So it's weird that TV is doing the whole, like, they mourn, and they even did a moment of silence. You know that they, they did a moment of silence for the fucking Queen of England mm -hmm. at a net, at the, tonight was opening kickoff for football. Mm -hmm. um, and before a before a national football, American football game, they did a moment of silence for the Queen of England. I mean, they're like our number one allies, and it is the end of an era with her dying. It just signifies that. So it's all pageantry, uh, sadly. But yeah, the, rea the reality of it is who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Man. This is Irish TikTok. Oh my God. I. 
<laughs> they're literally dancing the, to another yes. one. Besides the... Yeah. So apparently, like Irish TikTok and uh, Black TikTok were going crazy with oh, the, uh, with my the memes and, and the in the hatred. So my friend that was... just uh, just landed in Ireland, so I actually have to talk to her. I want to. Is that her to give me? Just after huh? if, people, if people are celebrating. Yeah, I'm gonna ask him and be like, "What's the vibe over there?" What is the vibe? All right, Steve Bannon is in custody, um, which we can talk about at another time. He got yeah. he's under he's under custody for the New York with two charges of money laundering. Now they're using this as a rally cry for them, but the funny part is that he's he got in trouble for scamming MAGA people out of money. Because they were they they were saying they were building a wall, but they were embezzling the money. So they were asking people, "We're going to build a wall ourselves," and now they're still defending them. He was taking your money, dummies. That's how that's how psychotic they are. Oh my god! Like they're like they're going after him. Yeah, they're going after him because you're stupid and you sent <laughs> him money and he didn't use it and he never built a wall. Yeah. Um. What's this guy's name? Um, Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. What about Gets him? a six-minute standing ovation for his movie, The Whale. Um, I've heard about it. Yeah. That good? good? Apparently, he got a six-minute standing ovation, and he plays yeah. like a... So... We'll save this one. This will this will this will stay. Yeah. This will stay. This will stay because it's kind of deals with uh, fat phobia and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. All right. This dog is sad about the mis the choice he made. <laughs> it's like fuck my life. Oh my god. <laughs> I changed my mind. Oh, <laughs> what a sweetheart. We can never oh. skip the palate cleansers. If Honey did that, she would bite me and then still eat the treats. Hum, hum, hum. All right. Um, this guy. Sorry. So this couple did a 30-day. Are you familiar with these uh, intimacy challenges where couples uh, have to have sex every day for like 30 days or... Mm. No. To sort of see if it builds intimacy up then. All right. So this couple posted a TikTok of day 25. Just pay attention to the guy. Day 25 of our 30-day intimacy challenge. And we'll do a little check-in. Personally, it helped me. Oh. I just think that becoming a mom can be all-encompassing. Oh. It really helped me put my life in the He's miserable. He's like, I am so tired of that nuts. Straight people are so weird. He is drained. Yeah, he's got he's he's got like zero boys swimming he's around about right divorce now. Divorce at that point, he's just yeah. like, why did I get like myself? Look at him. This, is this really has to be a parody. There's no way. Yeah, there's got to be something wrong with him, right? I think it's a parody. There's no right. Okay, I don't know. It might, it might, it might. It's still funny that face, that face yeah. he was making back there. It, it, it's it seems true. It seems true, too but true it to be. Sounds good. like something a white lady would do. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> sounds like something a white lady. Uh, did you know Japan has a whole segment of people that their whole job is just they have an entire department that just picks up stuff that people leave in the subways. 
No. Uh, I did not know that. So they, they pick up sometimes 2,000 lost items a day. Oh, whoa. And they're, they're, they're sorted by where they're found. They're sorted by color. If you leave like a lunchbox, if you leave a fucking lunchbox, they oh. clean it out. They dump the food out. Look, somebody left a bottle of champagne. They wrap it up. What? I'm moving to Japan. Lump lunch boxes are clean to prevent odor. So this guy left his lunchbox. So they're gonna clean out the lunch. They clean it. Oh my god, these people are angels. Then they put it back, and then they put it there, and then you can go back to the place and say, "I I left my 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 stuff there." Oh my god, let's oh, these humans. Yeah. Protect so, them at all costs. Yeah, I lost my umbrella. They say they get a bunch of umbrellas on rainy days. Uh, another right. reason. Yeah, that's another reason to move to Japan right there. Let's go. I would like to go to Japan. I don't know if that I would come back. How's the rent over there? Let's do it. <laughs> it's probably pretty. Um, probably not great. Yeah. Probably not right. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion and She-Hulk. That's been talked about. Did you see that? No, you haven't seen She-Hulk, have you? Mm -mm. No, we'll I haven't. Save, we'll save that. Uh, all right, this is a good one. You'll like this one. This is a where's the clitoris? <laughs> what? A, what? <laughs> they just obviously it's an edit, but it's just funny that these are oh the my uh, God. these are the guys that, that that we're gonna right. But then I saw this themselves. Yeah, then I saw, and this is the vid, they have videos of them training and doing like, and they're like getting ready for, I think, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're, they're like cosplaying. Like, look, all right, now we go like this to the side. Oh my God. These and men, then some, like, this, okay, everyone. I saw this and video though. Please, coyotes. I think we're all ready. We're all ready for the big events. So it's going to be, it's going to be navy blue toss. And, and khaki, khaki bottoms. Um, if, if you if you're wearing jeans, don't bother showing up because if we don't match, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be scary. If I see a bunch of people wearing khakis, then it's scary. But if it's a bunch of people wearing khakis and friends wearing jeans, they're not gonna be scared. Now the aesthetic we're going for is Ku Klux Klan, bitch, yeah. but it's at Best Buy. You feel me? Uh, so we really need to lean into that aesthetic because that's what we committed to, Fred. Fred. Uh, furthermore, I saw the cutest little um, clear serving platters. They're like big clear plates at the Dollar Tree. Um, and I went ahead and picked a bunch of those up. And, and I, I taped, taped a little handle on the back. So we'll all have um, the cutest Aww. little shield. They're not, they're not actually good for protecting anything, but they do make us look like little... Scary. Like, like little soldiers. Um, it's also oh. important that everyone be wearing a mask. And I know I get it, we hate masks. But this is for our physical protection more than anything else. Uh, it's going to be a really bright day. And um, I'm sorry, but uh, a lot of us are a little pale. So, so safety, safety first. That skin's got to be covered up, and, and uh, yeah. sunglasses too. Oh, God, what else? Um, oh, 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 oh. Uh, Heath, if, if you could, could bring, bring that drum that you bought, bought for your son, and, and if, if you could just hit it at random, random moments, I think yeah. I think we did a good job because I think it's going to be very successful. I think a we're going to look cute as fuck. Yeah. Oh, and uh, if, if you, you have knee pads, I think you should probably wear them. Why do you need knee pads? 
Oh, just, just in case. case. Just in case of what? Just in case. I love this guy. I love him. Oh, my God. I think this guy, like, three. I love that. I love that, this video. That's how you fight uh, ignorant ignorance. Uh, Comedy. Yeah, yeah. I think oh it's uh, is that the guy's name? Uh, Andrew McCarron. Okay. Uh, somebody. Anyway, that I found that video, so that was worth it. Yeah. That was funniest. That worth was it. fucking love funny as that's the way you do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way oh, you yeah. do it. All right, these will keep. Oh, the, the cute as fuck. I just I just saw this while we were doing this. No! No! Oh, look at him, look at him. He's trying to get it in there, but he can't. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Oh no, he's a failure to his species. He's, he can't get it. He, it's not his. He can't get it in. He can't get it hard. He's like, all right, come on. Come on. Come on, we can get it. We can do it. We can do this. He's pushing um, rope. He's pushing rope. He's really trying. <laughs> he's really trying. You gotta. Oh. He's trying, man. At least no he's trying. No, those are the puddle. No, those are the puddle. I'm gonna skip all these uh, old white guy TikToks that I found because mm -hmm. those will those will keep the the We're civil wars. The civil wars. Week. The civil war is not happening right away. Yeah. Okay. Let's just get off on that. All right. Oh the God. one thing I did want us to talk about before we do get out of here, the Nonamis way. It looks like all right. We'll save the Falklands too. Uh, I wanted us to watch this video. But do it. oversimplified. Do you like them? I love them. Yes, I'm subscribed to their YouTube channel. Mm, should we do it or should I save it? Ah, uh, save it. Save. Do we have it? Well, it depends. Do we have any anonymous ways? Yeah, we have three. Okay. Three. We're gonna All do right, this. Let me... Let's just head into it. Hold on a second. I have, I, I, I still have to, and then, then we're saving the the Rob Schneider thing that you had brought up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that'll keep. That'll keep. That'll uh, keep. This one will also keep. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, this one will also keep. There was a yeah. Well, we can do that next week. We can do a little bit more about all the yeah. Lord of the Rings hate. We're cutting all. Oh yeah. We're cutting all of this out from the audio, right? What the audio? Yeah, this part is what I mean. Uh, depends. Yeah, I can cut this part out. Okay. Two forty. What? What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like we're cutting it off. Might as well just. I was just like do something goofy. No. Um. Yeah, we still have a live audience. They might tune in and out. They're like, "What the hell are you guys doing this?" All right. Uh, Two forty-one. All right. Let me save this one. Hi, Anthony. Save. Oh my gosh! Wait, I need to watch this like in full. I love. Is it no, that's why. I, that's why I had it. It's it's a short one. That's why I was like, we. Uh, I oh, was let's going, do it. All right, because that's why I was like, just so we, I don't want to come back to Queen stuff. So anyway. The first thing that I showed oh, was... Wait, before you continue, it's a 10-day ceremony. You do know that, right? He's going to... Uh, King Charles is going to do a, a speech tomorrow. Yeah, it's like 10 days of mourning and stuff like 10 that. 10 days of mourning. They don't fucking bury her until I don't know which day. So, but, yes, I mean, we, will come, we will get back to this. Well, I, we did talk a little bit about the, the, the Argentinian 
versus okay then yeah you're right yeah. if, if we know yeah. then i'll save it then fine right. don't watch it on your own then that way we can watch it okay that way we can react to it okay. uh the new jk rowling bottle this was one of yours we can save that that's not going away all right so the one thing that i did want us to follow up with is the whole olivia wilde uh, chris pine thing at venice with uh pew so right. quick uh let me just write the timestamp when we got back to normal here when we had to cut out because we were dilly daddling 242 all right all right so the one thing i did want us to touch on is the olivia wild thing okay here's the here's the uh, the catch-up on that for people that don't uh get it uh explain your thread on the olivia wild harry styles foreign spew situation um so olivia wild hired shia labeouf as you saw in our intro uh yeah. he got fired from the movie but he's not fired from our intro uh because he got a good positive message about mm -hmm. just do it um he gets hired to be the husband jack in the movie don't worry darling florence Pugh is cast to play the wife mm -hmm. uh the movie's gonna have several sex scenes shia is infamously well i don't know if he is i mean he's been accused of being creepy he's getting sued by his ex um etc etc um he gets replaced by harry styles unfortunately harry styles is fucking olivia wilde while she mm -hmm. is cheating on her fiance allegedly allegedly she's cheating on who's also in our intro music oh my uh, god i know sadekis <laughs> it's funny right we got sadekis yeah. and shia in the in the video uh while she's making the movie mm. uh so apparently there was some pa drama some pas were dropping subliminals she was saying this and then they're like oh she was working on this movie so she was saying there was a lot of conflict because it seemed like olivia was not really taking much time to direct and was uh not really doing her job well because probably she was fucking harry styles and who could blame her right who could blame her who could blame her um and then the the hot take from hollywood was like wait till you figure like the, so you say so what you're saying is that a director dropped their their longtime companion to be with the hot young starlet on their movie it, we've never heard that story. that's never that's like it's the director that is literally the entire reason you become a director is so that you can, so you can dump your wife for a hot starlet. That's the whole reason you, you get, you, you, that's why you do it. That's the dream. That's the dream. Sorry. Yeah. 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 It's two and a half hours in. I can drop my misogyny. My misogyny. My misogyny <laughs> oh yeah. You're right. Product. You do get, yeah. You do get it. One misogyny card, three hours in. Two hours yeah. Three yeah. Hours that's in. my, I use my play the yeah. play. The, um, so um she is off the movie olivia makes it seem like <laughs> she fired him mm -hmm. was like yes shia was problematic shia. i wanted a girl bought shia uh mm -hmm. he's i know she's right here um he's problematic i fired him to protect the uh pew right florence mm -hmm. um and uh then uh, shia uh drops the video that everybody's seen, which is uh, that we played last week, which is uh, Olivia driving, talking about Miss Flo. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Florence's entire team, like her stylists, are now wearing T-shirts that say Miss Flo on them. Oh, so they are a hundred percent dropping. She is a hundred percent sending shade her way. Um, so she, Olivia, uh, Shia walks off. Olivia's message to him 
leaks or he shows it to her where she calls her Miss Flo and she says if she's really gonna like be a big girl and work get to work I really want to make this happen it doesn't they replace uh, Shia with I think Nick Kroll no, Harry Styles Nick Kroll's yeah. always in this movie Chris Pine's in this movie somehow um they start getting into it uh and then the press tour happens they go to Venice Film Festival Florence Pugh, uh, clearly in, uh, irritated with Wildline about keeping her safe, declines to say anything nice. She doesn't say anything about it. She's filming Dune Part 2, and she uses that as an excuse. She does not show up for the press conference. She shows up for the screening, mm -hmm. leaves halfway through the standing ovation. <gasps> she skips the press conference. Meanwhile, the whole time, her, her team is wearing shirts that say Team Flow, and she's yeah. doing like Instagram stuff, but she's she's not doing any press. Um, meanwhile, in Venice, Harry doesn't want to be next to Olivia in the pictures that they're taking. He goes mm -hmm. out of his way to, to kiss Nick Crow, uh, but when they're taking the pictures, he doesn't do it. Chris Pine becomes a meme because every interview that he's doing, he's doing next to Harry Styles, and he's just like over it. This is Harry Styles talking. Yeah. Film, you know, my favorite thing about the movie is like it feels like a like a movie. It feels like a real like you know go to the theater. <laughs> that, that feels like a movie. Where, no, that where he blinks right afterward is my favorite. It feels like a real like you know go to the theater film movie. But just like what the reason why you go to watch something on the big screen, I think. You know, my favorite. So this favorite part, Harry Styles' favorite part about the movie is that, so this it is. feels like this, a movie. So this is Chris Pine during the entire, like, the press tour. He's just, like, he's just not there for it, right? Oh, my God. Um, I love this. I love this chaos. So this is the, this is the standing ovation. Oh. She's, oh. she's not she's not even making cut she's not even looking over there no she is not she's like should i look at my director my co-stars for two seconds no and then she's like all right let's wrap this shit up and i think this is where she's like all right let's go and then the tradition is like when she leaves everybody has to leave which oh, side damn, note. I didn't catch her leaving, but she left after that. Yeah, she left after that. So, side note, how long are you going to, like, Some sometimes these uh, standing ovations go a little too hard, like six minutes? I don't know. Like, I saw somebody that was like, it could be like a documentary about, like, myself, and I wouldn't clap for more than, like, a minute, you know? Like, how long is this, how long is too long for some of these things? You know? Yeah, I mean, is that good? Sheesh. I got so, she didn't go to the press conference, but she had time to, like, post this. She is yeah. loving this drama. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so this is uh so that's so that's yeah, everything. what's Jason up to? What's what's little Jason up to? So then uh this is a edited version of the original video, but then uh, this video drops of uh Chris of uh Harry Styles and somebody added this, but let me see if they have the original here. Uh and uh, Carrie Styles was sitting next to Chris Pine, and then when he stopped, when he stopped by him, he he looked like he had he was spitting on him. 
So then they made this edit where, and then Chris Pine oh. made the, he made that look like, and then they just sat there and then he made a joke. But it looked like everybody was like, did he spit on him? Did, did Harry Styles oh, spit on it? Yeah. Right? And so they just added the, the Velociraptor. Yeah. The, the, oh, okay. The but my, my thing is, why are they making him sit in between Harry Styles and Olivia? Like, we know y'all are together. That's why the, are uh, you ruining his poor life, Chris Pine? Because, uh, <laughs> well, the other rumor that's that started going, uh, that started going around was that why wasn't, yeah, why wasn't Harry? But the thing is, like, even in photo ops, Harry Styles was refusing to stand next to, was refusing to stand next to her. So when they were doing pictures, he wouldn't, the publicists were like, stand next to her, and they wouldn't. He wouldn't. He would say I'm, no. I'm so the other rumor was that maybe that, it. the other rumor is that maybe they had, they're broken up. Oh, that's awkward. We date throughout the movie and we break up before the press tour. So here's the other angle on the alleged spitting. You can see uh, Styles pulling up. And then Chris Pine looks down, right? So that's when people started speculating, like, nah. Here, here, here. Hey, you see I, don't, I don't, I don't see anything. No, no. Then, there's it's nothing. more like he just went like this, and then he, but then he looked down. So that's yeah. kind of what. I don't know. He might maybe stepped on his toe. I don't know, but definitely. And then no somebody stuff. was like, "Hey, we need this angle." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whoever this is, that's that's who that is. But here's the thing. If they were broken up, I wouldn't have had my ex sitting two seats down. Like, I would have put him, like, farther, you know? Maybe down the... Yeah, maybe, like, five seats down. I don't know. So I think they're still together. I think they're just going about this, like, let's not yeah. take... Meanwhile, Harry Styles uh, was on... Look too happy. Was back on concert, and he literally was like, yeah, um, I just got back from Venice where I spit on Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. So they're all steering into it. So. I saw no spit, but yeah, they are. I think this, I I don't think for publicity, I do think that this partially is probably all true and people are actually mad at each other, but I think that they are milking it because at the end of the day, I really want to fucking watch this movie now. Right, yeah. <laughs> don't you? I mean, I do. I mean, the other, uh, well, I'm over my quota for misogynistic takes for the day, but I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. No, you've Flo got one. Florence, Florence Pugh is like a mid, maybe. I don't know. Is there like, is there like a nice way to say that? I, I understand she's talented, but it's not like she, she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel like superstarish to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she's like drop dead gorgeous, I, you know? I think it's a lot to do with us, with aesthetic. And I think right now, like, if you go on her Instagram, like, her aesthetic is like, Top notch, so I think she is very overrated. I agree. I agree. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not the it's not the hottest of hot takes, but it's just like is it okay? Can we have that? We're not ready to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, it's it, presentation and looks are everything. She's stylish. She's definitely talented. Yeah. I love Midsommar. I think she was good and even good in the uh, the uh, the Marvel movie that she did. So, mm -hmm. 
she's definitely a talented actress, but I was just like, it's not like, oh my God. And then some of it were, uh, some of the takes that I saw where it's like, man, I swear you guys be inviting, inventing, inventing new white people every day. Who the fuck is Florence Pugh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yes, was, who, yeah. What, who, what is this? Who is this mid white girl? That, 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 was, was a, that was me. I was like, I'm supposed to care about her. Oh my God. Where? And then, you know, midsummer. I was like, oh, gotcha. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. She's good. She's, she's a good actress, but yeah. No, I get you. I think it has a lot to do with aesthetics, honestly. This is your Yay! king now. This is your king now in, uh, in Ray, England. Uh, for, you know, oldest king in the freaking books. Don't Wouldn't you hate living a life where, like, they're constantly, like, telling you what to do because you're going to be king someday. You're going to be king someday. And, oh, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Do shit. Mm -hmm. Restrictions. And then, like, you're fucking, how old is he? Like, 76. 70 something yeah <laughs> you know now i get to be king that sucks yeah we're gonna save this one too because one of the things i did want to talk about was like uh people freaking out about the lord of the ring shows and they're being like black hobbits meanwhile there's a list of things there's a list of characters that were changed that people didn't give a fuck about like tyron mm -hmm. was supposed to be like horrible he was supposed to like have half a nose you know yeah really disgusting so, yeah. really disgusting like like the imp was supposed to be like the imp now then you turn him yeah. into like he's you know a good looking actor's type he's a hot yeah all right and um let me see what i had here that is all done confession time we'll save this one as well so mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about uh let me close these all out we talked a little bit about um Figuring out if we wanted to to work on um, to watch the new Game of Thrones show, mm -hmm. and uh, I told you that I was making a little bit about it because I was because uh, as yeah, I thought, did, did you do it? Well, there was no power, so that yeah. was the that was the weekend I was supposed to do it, and and it was I couldn't think about anything. Like a lot of my circuits got crossed, and it and it literally took me a couple of days to feel normal again and not have PTSD that I was at that. Like at, every time I would flick a light switch, I would think like I had PTSD about this stream. Cause I was, it's going to be so hot. I'm going to be street. You know, like I was like, I could turn off this light, but I can keep that light on. Like it was bad. So yeah. no, but I am going to do that this week. Um, but in thinking about the idea of doing a sketch about somebody thinking about watching the show and having PTSD from, um, having seen the show, um, I actually started thinking and we talked about it last week that maybe we should let go of some of that anger. And then today, what did we learn on today's show? Uh, we learned a lot actually today yeah. uh, about uh, trauma, about going through trauma, exercising it, blah, blah, and how our relationships with our parents. We talked a lot about our dads today. It was kind of a, an emotional roller coaster of a show. Um, so, as I was writing the sketch and I was, and as we talked about the fact that we should kind of take it easy on ourselves, don't be, don't feel so bad about, you know, don't take it so seriously that the, the show ending sucked. We were pissed, but you shouldn't take into this. Yeah. Yeah. We, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't take it out on a brand new cast of characters. Uh -huh. And as I wrote the sketch, um, I did have uh, YouTube had like a free HBO max preview for like three days, YouTube TV. And I did, watch and I'll, I'll have the video for us for next week but i did watch the first three episodes of house okay. of the dragon i so okay. i did jump back in i did go back to the abusive x so to speak 
Well, you now, well, now you have to wait for me. Yeah, I can wait. I can wait. I can mm -hmm. wait. I won't. We can. We don't have to talk about it. Um, but I do want to confess that I had. I did break down and did watch it, and uh, I will wait for you to catch up to do our reviews. But I, you know, I was able to get through the three episodes. I'll say that. Okay. No spoilers. No. 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 no there's nothing really spoily. Um, no emotions. I don't want emotion. I want. You nothing. don't want nothing. You want nothing. no. I you don't want. want you don't want to know anything about how I feel. All right. I will nothing. respect that. I will not say yeah. anything. No smiles. No, no frowns. Nothing. <laughs> I want to watch it. I really. Yeah. Watch it. Watch I it. We'll we're talk about watch it. it together. You said we were going to watch the first. No, I said we, we should at least we should at least record ourselves. So I did. So I watched it on my computer. And I did a private, uh, a non-streaming stream, and I recorded myself as I watched. So what I'll do is I'll, I'm going to have a version of the video, and um, there's only a, key, a couple of key points where I where I reacted, and then um, I, I'll edit that and I'll share it at some point. But it came, uh, but I just wanted to kind of just to do a time lapse to see how I was like, because I kind of want to see if I like I perked up at any point in the show or if there were certain, you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. well, it'll be an interesting experiment just just for that. But we'll we won't talk about it until after you are caught up. Well, we'll we should probably just wait till after the first season is done. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. All right, let's wrap this up. Now it's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, actually, hold on. One more. No. <laughs> Yahweh. It's Halloween time. Spooky, scary skeletons. Mm. This guy has a dance contest with a uh, Michael Myers. Oh yeah. Michael Myers getting it. Oh yeah. Don't worry. They're short. No, no, there's my questions. Huh? Huh? They're there's short questions. Oh, no, they're, they're short questions. Yeah, they're short. They're short. Cool. You'll be okay. It's spooky season. We have to get into the spookiness. We gotta do uh once we do our Halloween episode, we gotta dress up a little. He's like, all right, that's enough, kid. Now I must murder you. No, okay, just kidding. <laughs> that would have been not fun. Dab. All right. <clears throat> No Namas way. Let me play the video again since I made a new one. Now it's time for No Namas way. No Namas way. No Namas. All right. Uh, video games more important than sex. No. Sorry. <laughs> no. 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 All right. V video games. My BF boyfriend was playing his game parenthesis uh quotation marks a few nights ago and i had just taken a shower and we had not connected in a few days i walked by him in my towel post shower a few times he didn't even flinch i asked him to help come help me in the bedroom and he came in between games said what then left again oh my god after that i was angry he finished and then tried to engage with me um but i denied him Okay. Uh, at what point did I lose to PS5? I'm about to return it since I paid for it. Well, um, okay. Here's the thing. Okay, I don't know. I don't know because I again I don't know the context, but I know when people are cohabitating, um, and hmm. you know you become so used to each other. 
at that point, if you have a hobby that you really enjoy doing and you're in the middle of it, whether that be video games or watching a movie or, I don't know, cooking, I don't know, doing something, you're living in your own home, right? So I don't know that I would take too much offense to them not initiating if they're busy. Now, if this is a, a occurrence that just happens all the time and they have been ignoring you and you have not had sex for a while and then I would take a little more offense. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between somebody just losing desire as a whole and not wanting to fuck you as opposed to them wanting to fuck you when they're not busy. Um, whether that be PS5, you might think that's petty, but that is a hobby, right? I don't like when people interrupt me when I'm in the middle of my shows. I don't like when people interrupt me if I'm grumpy, tired, I don't know. And so I don't cohabitate with my partner, but if I did, I would imagine that I wouldn't want to have sex all of the time. At the moment, we don't cohabitate. So when we do each other, I want to fuck all the time. Um, but I know it's different if you're cohabitating. So if he finished playing his game and then went and wanted to fuck you, it, I see desire there. So it's not like it's a lack of desire. It just seems like homeboy was busy. Um, now, obviously, to an extent, that's offensive, right? Because you were like flaunting yourself and you're putting yourself out there that when he does come over, I can understand you uh, denying him. However, I'm seeing a lack of communication here. And I'm seeing a lack of understanding for like, I think you feel like he's prioritizing his game over you and you're yeah. taking per it personally, very personally, like as if he didn't desire you. But if he still wanted to engage in intercourse with you after he finished his game, to me, it sounds like he just was busy. Like he was just busy. It's like if he's in the middle of a phone call, you know, something like that. Now, if it's happening a lot and he is actually showing an addiction for his PS5 um, and to the point where he won't engage at all and has lost all desire for you, then I would worry then, you know, but if, if it's not, if he's still desiring you, it's just when he's not busy, then there needs to be some sort of communication that needs to be had here, but I wouldn't be too al alarmed over it, I guess. There's a, um, there's a video compilation. I don't know if it's TikTok or something, or it was like a challenge where mm -hmm. girls would, take a video of themselves like dropping their towel while their boyfriend was playing video games and then to see what their reaction was. Right. Yeah. Uh, and most of them would be like, just turn it off real quick. And, you know, you know, like, Oh, okay. You know, it's party mm -hmm. time. Right. Um, so I don't know if she was trying something like that. Like if she was trying to be like, cause if I'm cohabitating and then I'm just sitting playing and then she's like, I just took a shower and you're like, yeah, yeah cool. You smell nice. Yeah. And personally, probably yeah. me too, but because I have a high sex drive, so I would do that. But um, I also understand that some days, maybe not. I don't yeah. know, you know? What was his day like? Yeah. Ha it, has it, ha was he playing video games all day and it was still playing that night? Then maybe, then yes. But That's if it was exciting. like, yeah. did he, did you guys just finish eating? Did you, you know? Did you work a full day, go eat, and then he was like, oh, you, finally I get some me time. Finally yeah. I get to play did you take a particularly long time in the shower where maybe he was waiting for you, but then, you know, was he playing before you? You know what I mean? There's a lot of factors. You're right. We don't really know. Um, but you're right. I think that the desire is probably there. If you still try to initiate afterwards, um, I don't think, I think what you're probably afraid of is that it's like, you know, he, that he wants just pussy on demand, but it's like, you know, Hey, if I, I just want it when I want it. And um, either that or just, you know, 
unless he's live streaming, just yeah. walk right up to him and just be like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Turn that shit off. Yeah, but I will say, devil's advocate, if you're denying him when he wants it, um, that's kind of what you did, what, what, what happened to you when you offered intercourse and he denied you because he wanted to play PS5. So now you guys are just playing a ping pong back and forth where someone else has a different priority. And I don't know that that's healthy. Y'all need to talk. It sounds um, wait for his controller battery to be really low and then <laughs> and then hot and then hide the connection, hide the cord inside your pussy. There you go. There you go. Like, That's... Come get it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then have him like pull it out slowly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then oh whatever. God. Anyway, you know, I don't know. That's that's the that's the horrible question. So uh good luck. Uh so no, no, uh video games are not more important than sex. And I'll say one other thing. Um, the reason I don't have a PS5 and the reason that my PS4 is no longer right next to me on my desk with my computers and TVs and stuff is because it makes me a better editor not to have it. Video games can become addicting. Mm -hmm. um so like I, I i put my playstation in the living room and i never use it anymore because it was too easy to stop working and then say oh i'm gonna play video games and then spend two or three hours playing video games and then not get any work done so when i'm at my desk i don't like being playing video games i like being editing writing stuff like that that's actually productive um and i have to actually make time to play video games so it's all going to depend on your relationship what the sex life has been like and what his day was like. And then, you know, don't look too into it. And then, like I said, always more and more communication, right? Yeah. And take it all into account. Just, just consider everything. Cause if he was playing PS five all day and then he still denied you, then, then that, yeah. that's, that's yeah. fucked up. That's then, a little yeah. over, over the line. Then, yeah. Um, figure out who the person he hates playing against online is the most and then go fuck them in revenge. There you go. There you go. Now it's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. I like how we always start with great advice by you and then a horrible piece of advice by me at the end. Right that's at right. the end, yeah. That's right. That's right. And also murder him. And also murder him. <laughs> All right. Should I snitch? No. Okay. Uh, moving on. No. Um, my sister broke up with her baby daddy. They blocked each other on social media, had a pretty tumultuous breakup. Um, there were papers involved. Uh divorce huh like divorce papers no it says there were police papers involved i'm assuming um, that means like restraining uh order. restraining order something like that and they now only communicate via text to set up exchange of their kid okay, okay. recently we realized her baby daddy had not removed me from his socials so i was seeing so i was seeing posts talking shit about my sister and also about his life new girlfriend trips they were taking etc my sister figured it out and first asked me if I saw that the, he was dating someone, would I let her know? And I gave her that info. But now she is asking for screenshots every day and wants me to be her default spy. I want to help out my sis, but nobody got time for all of this. What should I do? That's hard. That's mm. hard. Because, uh, I mean, I would snitch. I'm just saying that if I'm there, I'd be, I'd be happily the, the, you know... The, the relayer of information? Yes, the relayer of the cheese mate. Um, however, it is going to get back to you regardless. I don't think that you're going to get too much heat because, I mean, you're not tied to the baby daddy at this point. But at some point, she's going to burst and be like, oh, well, you went, you went with your girlfriend on this trip and I saw it and who told you? My sister. Um, so it's, it's a slippery slope. 
And at the end of the day, it's not going to turn into blocking you. Okay. Um, so this is going to be short lived and they're still going to have issues. So I, snitch or don't, I honestly don't see you being too involved in this, whether it goes well or bad. And it sounds like it's already going pretty bad. And regardless is going to continue going downhill from here. So it sounds like they need to do a custody thing and talk on talking parents. Cause this is, it's, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, what's it take to go like this and then send it, you know, right? Like yeah. screenshots on it. It doesn't take that much. I, yeah. I can understand. And listen, I would set ground rules to be like, if they're on your feed and which brings up a side question, do you do a full mm -hmm. family and close friends purge if you're, if you have a bad breakup? Is that like the smart move in that situation to do like a full purge of like anybody that would be saving screenshots for something else, right? Mm -hmm. Screenshots are forever, man. This is the future. Be careful what mm -hmm. you say. Um, so I would set up some sound goals. I'm like, look, if I see something big happening, I'll let you know, but I really don't want to be involved with it, right? Mm -hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, and take it from there, right? Yeah. And like I said, it depends. If you don't want to be involved, I think it's totally fine for you to tell your sister, hey, I don't want to be involved. This is getting messy, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, if you have some sort of alliance or like real, not alliance, I guess relationship to him, mm -hmm. then don't do it. But Look, if, if you're like, hey, we're taking the fucking kids fucking shark hunting and we're using them as bait. Yeah, yeah let her know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's at, at, at the end of the day, for you being in the middle, this is a very low... Uh, reward also low what is the opposite of that uh like you're gonna you're not gonna get in too much shit you're the person like it's gonna be your sister who's gonna hurt it's gonna be him who's gonna probably get some shit from her right um so do it or don't do it i don't see it affecting much it seems like you already told her a little bit so he knows she knows kind of what he's up to and regardless is gonna fuck up their co-parenting situation so yeah get a get a fake account Something. Yeah, yeah. There you go. She can get a fake account. Tell her to make a fake account. I gotta make a fake account. Listen, tell her. Yeah, listen. I'll let you know if something major's happened, but just get a fucking fake account like a regular person and follow yeah. them. Whatever it's I, Facebook, Twitter. I have a fence. Yeah. <laughs> I will do the screenshotting. Hey, <laughs> yeah, and she, you know, there you go, happily. All right, one more, and then we're out of here. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for no namas way. No namas way. No namas. All right, this one comes to us from Confuse Corazoncito. Confuse oh. Corazoncito. All right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I need advice on how to get over someone. I'm getting too old for confusing heart vibes. I am a Latina woman pushing 40. Mm -hmm. I share community projects with this man. He is my closest friend. We live in the same house with other roommates. Oh, uh, I can't financially afford to move out. Okay. This guy knows I've had romantic feelings for him in the past. I thought I was over that part of our friendship, but recent deep conversations have kept me questioning my heart. We have a history of friendship. Oh, no. We have a history of uh, friends with benefits, mm. but have intentionally stopped recently to figure out what the fuck this relationship has become. It was his decision to stop sex to define this relationship mm. on his part a romantic relationship isn't on the table with me there is more to this whole situation but you might figure out who i am 
Oh, well, there's the answer. And then, and then, and then, and then there's the eye emoji. Oh, thanks for your advice. Confused corazoncito. Thank you. Um, well, and there's the answer. The answer is the fact that this man just already said that he does not want anything. She, she put the, uh, Let's see. She put the the face right there. Have you figured it out? I feel like I haven't. Am I done? No. No, no, no. We haven't figured you out. Confused corazoncito. So. No. Um, but, okay, there was a lot in the in between. So I was going back and forth. But at the end, it was pretty much like it's clear that he does not want anything romantic. And it seems like you have feelings. Um, and you can't financially move out. So that is rough because you live with the person that you're trying to get over. Hmm. Um, I'm going to sit on this one for a little bit. Do you have anything uh, on the noggin front right now? It strikes me as odd that it, maybe as a man, it would strike me as odd that if there was a, re, if there was a friends with benefit relationship, there would be a, there would have to be a whole lot going on outside for me to for me to purposely stop having sex with somebody that was willingly having sex with me like i've had psych i had psychotic ex-girlfriends that i was breaking up with but that would still come over and would have sex mm -hmm. so for me to willingly say the sex has to stop so that we can define this um that doesn't seem like a that doesn't seem that doesn't seem like a like a like a move that uh that that I would make if I was interested in continuing unless the move was like if you're already into the guy and you guys already had a friends with benefit relationship and he stops the sex and it's his idea mm -hmm. it feels very it, if it, it it can't be a power move. It can't be like, oh, I'm gonna make her want me even more because she's already into it, right? But I think in the message she mentioned, he stopped it with the intention of like he doesn't want to keep going. Like he doesn't he doesn't. It have was to his decision that. to stop sex to define the relationship? So let's stop fucking and see if we're just friends or if we miss the fucking or if we're a couple. Mm. I do think it's almost impossible to go back to strictly being friends if you're going to stay living together. So I think that's the most important yeah. part of that. If you live with them, yeah, you already crossed that threshold. Also, the feelings threshold. Like, the feelings are crossed. The sex is crossed. It seems like the friendship is, like, gone at this point, honestly. I don't know how you recover from that. Um, but I'm more so worried about her feelings because she did mention, how do I get over him? Um, right. And oh, there's no easy. I'm just yeah. trying to. I'm trying to analyze. I'm trying to analyze him to sort of get a better idea of the situation. It does sound. It does strike me as a he's he's not into her. In how old is he way. compared? How old is he compared to you? You're a Latina woman pushing forty. Is he a younger guy? Is he an older guy? Mm -hmm. Um. Is he just slumming it, or is he? Mm -hmm. What are his? You know what I mean? Like um some that might play into the dynamic if you're both in the sort of the same situation financially um then you're probably both better off with other partners i think what i'm saying is like in situations like these usually the person that has feelings if it's one you know 
is the one without the power to make the decision because it's the other person that needs to realize, do they have feelings as well? Okay, maybe we can continue and date or I don't have feelings for you and this needs to halt. Um, but the person that has the feelings, it's kind of like when we talk about the friend zoning situation and how, oh, should I, should I approach them or should I just like bottle up my feelings and just continue being friends? Well, no, you can't be friends because you already have feelings. Um, the best thing to do is tell them if you already told him how you felt, then it's the ball's in his court, unfortunately. Like there's nothing you can do. Now, if he says he doesn't have feelings, then the answer would be you have to get over him. How is another question. Um, if he says he reciprocates them, then it would be try to date. It's sounding yeah. like he doesn't reciprocate or he doesn't know that you have feelings. Now, if he doesn't reciprocate, you do have to find a way to move forward and I think no sex would be the best way to start. And that's always the interaction. That's like always, you see roommates. That's always this. That's always the tough stop. When sometimes you're in a horrible relationship, but the sex is so good, and you're like, "Man, we need to stop having sex," mm -hmm. um, because the rest of the relationship is so horrible, right? Um, this is a tough one. This mm -hmm. is a tough one. How do you get over it? I think that the only way to get over it, if you can't financially move out, is to just be clear and cut that we define it. Number one, if he's going to define it and say, hey, listen, let's just let's just we already are not having sex. Let's just keep it that way. Let's just give ourselves some time and let's yeah. try to be friends again. It's very important that you don't let him all of a sudden use you for emergency if he's feeling a little randy in a couple of mm -hmm. days. So yeah. the only way you're going to be able to get over it is if you don't let him use you strictly for sex anytime he wants yeah if you exactly. it, that's if if you let him do that then he will continue to have control over you and the dynamic will stay the same and you'll still be confusing so if he's like no sex mm -hmm. you need to be even more hardcore no sex and you know what let's not even have these deep conversations for right now let's, let's take not some time. watch a tv show on the couch uh, together. not yeah. watching a tv show in america don't come to me when you have your problems let's just mm -hmm. take a full reset let's take two three weeks no contact and yeah. during those time, find some stuff to do. Go to a book club. Go to even you know, go to free shit. Find free stuff happening, events, you know, things that don't cost you a lot, and get out there and just keep yourself busy. That's stupid. Yeah. It's it's boring advice, but it is. But don't, it's all you can do. Don't fall back into the trap. If he's mm -hmm. if he said the decision no sex, then make him stick to it. Mm -hmm. And if he tries to go back. And say, yeah, let's just kind of keep hanging out. And let's just keep having some fun. I mean, we live together, you know, you know, you know, but 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 don't let him do that. Mm -mm, yeah. Don't let him do that. No, because he has the power over you right now. If, especially has, if yeah. he doesn't have feelings and you do. That's where. Yeah. Yeah. That's the power. To the only way you can switch that dynamic and get the upper hand <laughs> is to when he comes crawling back, cut him off. Yeah. And guess what? If he doesn't come back, then he wasn't interested. In yeah. Right. Exactly. But if he does, now you have the dynamic where you can say, you know, you know what? No, you were right. Let's just stick to it because mm -hmm. I don't want to keep figuring this out. And if we just do that, then we're just going to have to keep wondering what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. And so I'd rather us just stick to the decision that you made and then we'll move forward. And then if all of a sudden he just comes to his senses that, you know, you're God's gift and then he's going to then at least then he's in a position where he has to woo you back. Mm -hmm. 
and then you will be able to tell whether or not he has any romantic intentions. So I think the move is steer into the curve, say no to the ween Mm -hmm. for now, and uh, keep busy. Mm -hmm. And when he walks by you, always look like you're having like a fun conversation on your phone and somebody's making you laugh. (laughs) 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 Gotta end it on a toxic note. Uh, bring a lot of people over. Hook up. Have a lot of casual sex and very loudly. No, <laughs> no um, but thank you for sharing. We don't know yeah. who you are. Um, and and I appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to ask unqualified podcasters for advice. So, yeah, thank, thank you for submitting. I yeah, was not able to recognize. No, no idea who it is. No, so no, you're never too old for confusing heart vibes. It's it's always good to 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 figure out. You know, it's always fun. It's a lifetime person, thing. Does that person love me? Etc. Yeah. Etc. Et All right. Ooh. So, like I said, if I can make it through ninety-six degree evening, I can make it through a three-hour and twenty-two minute podcast, Sophia. We yeah, we done did it. I'm a change man. Two guests. Yeah, and then we'll see. The, the goal was to get David in and then us do our thing and then have you. But then it, it all got mixed up. We got it. We got through it. Anyway, uh, Hispanic Heritage Week starts off next week. Uh, we're going to try to have interesting guests every week. And then we'll probably after that take a little uh, fall break or winter break by that time. But we will still be for next while giving you guys some shows. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, I did have, uh, want to give a shout out to rock candy. Uh, I met these people at, uh, Comic-Con this year, like really cool, crispy, hot, spicy, uh, beef jerky. Shout out rock candy, uh, beef jerky for, for, for giving us some samples and you're giving us a shout out, uh, giving them a shout out here on the pod. Um, so thank you everybody for watching, uh, blah, 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 bl